Are you ready? This is Moffat on the Mic on the A1 Sports Network. Bow to the masters. Break it down. How you doing, everybody? It is good to be back on a new home on the A1 Sports Radio Network. You are listening to the Moffat on the Mic radio show slash podcast. And uh, really happy to be here. And uh, my former producer slash, well, you know what? You were more of a partner mm-hmm. because it start it started out as me being just a producer, but then exactly we, no. the way we developed, the way our content came out, and everything like that, it ended up being more or less like a co-host, almost like I never I never called myself a co-host, but I always you know I didn't want to intrude in, you know in, on anything. And the disembodied voice next to me is, of course, the founder of the A One Sports Radio Network. Chris Clem. What's going on, Craig? Clem, I missed this, man. So did I. I missed this. Yeah, we did this once in, like, August at... Uh, yeah, with that douche of uh, the, the guy working in the studio who basically yeah, told us to, was, like, hang it up. Yeah, ba- basically <laughs> told He was like, oh, if you don't know these programs... And I was like, I, I'm still in school for this, and I, I didn't even know those fucking programs. Like, <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, my God. But, no, I do miss this. And, this is, yeah. you know, who would have thought that the coronavirus brought us back together? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I keep saying. I've been doing uh, some shows lately. I was like, I asked my friend. I was like, I was like, yo, n- name me some things that canceled. I was like, I was like, MLB. He was like, canceled. NFL, canceled. A1 Sports Network, not canceled. Still going. Still going. We got to go. Coronavirus gonna, free. I was like say, we're adding more shows, if anything. <laughs> Oh, but it's good to be here. Chris, congratulations on the start of the network. It's Thank just you. a little bit of a startup, but you know what, though? This could lead to bigger and better things for you, so all the best. Anything I can do to help you or assist you, let me know. I'm always looking at for all the work you did on my show over the over the past, what, maybe it, a year? It was, I started it was in... close to a year, maybe like six or seven months I think you were I with st- me. I think I started with you in, you and Craig original. I mean, you and uh, Matt in... Uh, like September-ish. Yeah, because Matt left, and then you and I just wound up taking over the show. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, but listen, you were definitely a big part of it. Right. And that's what a lot of people, I mean, you, I remember the list you you, you showed me of all the people you contacted to be on the show. Yeah, I mean, I never heard from, like nine, pull, I, yeah, I never heard from t- 99% of them, but it was cool just to, you know, get that experience out there. And I will say, I'll say this now on this show. That, you know, due to that experience, it made me just like, you know what, just you never know who's going to answer. Yeah. And that's what I did just about, maybe I'll say like a month or so. I contacted the guy, uh, I contacted the, I was really, get, I really, I watched the 30 for 30 on the hot dog eating contest. And I was like, you know what, this would be a cool thing to do at, for A1 Sports Network. You know, be the first event to go to. So I, I was looking up everything and I found the contact to the guy who runs the hot dog eating contest. It was like media inquiries here. So I messaged him. Yeah. Did not think I was going to get an email back at all or anytime soon at least. Emailed me back like within a day. So long story short, there's a great possibility that the A1 Sports Network is going to the hot dog eating contest. Dude, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And the thing is, like, we all think about that. Like, yeah, it's the, it is a disgusting event. I mean, like, what those people put down in a small I, amount I, of period I love of time. It. I love it. But that's how you get your start, man. Exactly. That's so, exactly where I, it is. I, I, obviously, I'm not going to shoot for the NFL draft or anything crazy like that. You know, start small at least. Get a build an audience. And 
had a conversation with the lady, and she was like, she was more than happy to help us out. So, because you know what, though, man, any which way mm-hmm. they can get their name out there is for them an opportunity. Exactly. So, you know, right now you're a very low levels network. I mean, yeah. you know that. And right I, I was, I was honest with the lady too. I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I started this about a month ago. We got a couple shows, you know, blah, blah blah blah. And she was like, she was again more than happy to help us out. Yeah. So that's great. Well, good for you, man. Congratulations. No, I'm very happy. I'm very excited for when July comes around now. Pending, Pending, if that even yeah. takes place, because the way things are going right now, yeah, it's just it's just been one bad turn after another. Well, listen, we got a lot to do. Clem and I are just going to ramble off a lot of different stuff. This is not just going to be an NFL free agency show. We're going to get into that. Trust me. We're going to get into um, we're going to talk some baseball. I would definitely want to get into some stuff about WrestleMania, about some of the theories going around and all that stuff. And um, you know, we got a lot to do. And you know, again, this is. Hopefully the beginning of plenty of shows to come. Exactly. I'm um, very excited. I'm really psyched to have to be back just doing this stuff. I really enjoyed it. And when we were with uh, the other, the competition, the uh, last time, it uh, didn't really work out so well. So for that, a new a new day is born. Exactly. Like, so. I, I, like I, for those that do listen, you know, I love hosting my own show and I love doing the wrestling show with my other friends. But, you know, it's something about doing this show. It just fe- it feels right. It feels right. The no. thing is, though, over the you were with me for the past seven months. Yeah, and we had a lot of different, a lot of different people come through. Yeah, you know, you, you know, your buddy Eric, always want him back on the show. Always had a lot of fun talking sports with him, hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of our favorites. You know, we basically all shared the same opinion about the competition. And uh, on that note, but then we also, and I give you all the credit for this. Building the relationship with the What's Wrong With Wrestling guys. That was all you, man. Like, I give you all the credit on that one because, quite frankly, those guys were a lot of fun. And I miss having them on our show. And I miss talking wrestling with those guys. And the fact they came in studio from Brooklyn to hang out with us, I thought was amazing. Yeah, that was a real fun experience, getting to hang out with them. Because I I I still listen to their podcast every week. Their tweets are hysterical. Oh, my God. Their tweets are absolutely hysterical. They're 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 ripping raw every chance they get. It's just like, it's hilarious. It's so funny. Like I I said, I was a big fan before they started. Again, on the whim, I was like, you know what? Let me message them, see what they did. And they answered me right back. And we had a rotation of yeah. uh, Andrew and, a- and, Andrew Joe. and Joe. They just alternated the, coming yeah, exactly. on. It almost became like a weekly thing because they were just we, there was so much going on at the time. Yeah, we yeah we usually got them for every pay-per-view that was coming up. Yeah. And usually sometimes due to the, Sa- the Saudi Arabia shows, there were two pay-per-views a month. And we would talk about we were talking to them twice, twice in a month, really. And then on top of that, we would have, uh, you know, my good friend Isaac Feldman coming oh, on. Isaac. You know, Isaac's, a on, Isaac's got a new uh, podcast out called Iktagon. You know, and uh, wish him nothing but the best. He was a big supporter of our show. And, you know, when we start, maybe if we ever get phone lines and stuff like that, we'll, it, definitely, it's all in the process. we'll definitely have him we'll like definitely I, have him on again. Like, like I was telling Eric, I got the basic stuff right now. Yeah. <laughs> I got the stuff to get me off the ground. And then soon enough, I'll get phone lines, extra mics, more webcams and everything like that. It's all coming. It's all coming. So, look, all we can tell you is, you know, be patient with everything. It's yeah. going to be a lot of fun on this network. There's going to be some good things happening here. I'm excited to be on this network. You know, I'm really glad you started this up because I was jonesing to get back. To oh, I, I know you were. I it know. was just becoming, like, so frustrating. Like, not, it had nothing to do with now, the self-quarantine and all that. It had nothing to do with it. It was just the fact of, like, man, like, all this stuff was going down in sports, and, and I needed, like, an outlet. And yeah. I can't really, like, I can't talk about it with my wife at home. She doesn't understand, you know, right. or my daughter or anything like that. So it's like I just needed that outlet. 
And yeah. like, you know, I appreciate you giving it to me. No problem. So let's get down to it. Let's just let, now that we got all the pleasantries out of the way. <laughs> all right. Before we get into the NFL free agency stuff, first of all, I want to throw some things at you. I want you to tell me what you think. All right. My first thing now, listen, everything is suspended. Every, if you, even if you're living under a rock, you know right now. Baseball is suspended at least until May. They're even saying maybe June now. Mm. At that point, I ask myself, what's the point of having a season? Right. Okay, because, you know, you're basically eliminating half the season with the All-Star break unless you just bypass the All-Star break altogether and just go straight forward moving games. You got the NBA season suspended. I would not be surprised if it's canceled. Because now with the new story about the Nets, four players on the Brooklyn Nets, including Kevin Durant, testing positive for the coronavirus, which now for some reason has prompted the Lakers to get tested. So it seems like every time a team, a player, Mm -hmm. tests positive, it's like now the team that they played two days before now is to get tested. Okay? Yeah. Which is understandable. Okay? I I get it. It just seems like it's just a very odd occurrence. So when Rudy Rudy Gobert got, you know, when he was putting his hand all over the people's, like, mics phones and, and mics oh, and whatever yeah, it was, was, you know, and then it turned out I think one of the reporters actually, I think, tested positive after that. But then Donovan Mitchell tested positive. Yeah. So then it prompted, I think, it was, I think the Knicks got tested right after because they played the Jazz right before, you know, the All-Star break. So that's suspended, which, I, again, I, I would not be surprised they just squashed the season. That's what I said, too. I wouldn't be – especially because – or even if not just squash the season, just, you know, start with the playoffs right away when they get yeah. back. Because I think there was like 18 games, 15, maybe less Because than think that. about it. Right now, this has no sign of stopping. Yeah. Right? Yeah, not even a, there's not even like, oh, hey, we kind of got something. No, yeah. there's nothing right now. Every day, you're finding out something that was worse than the previous day. Right. Like, for example, this morning, the number of cases spiked in New York City. Yeah. Okay? I work in New York City. I'm in the, I'm in the hospitality industry. My industry is screwed. Yeah. I'm just going to lay it on the table for you right there. It's done. We're taking a, we took a beating over the past few weeks. I literally have no group business coming into my building right now until the middle of April, which is about a month away, a little bit less than a month That's away. Okay. I was forced to actually take my vacation right now. So this is part of the reason why I'm here at four or five o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> because... What are they going to do? I mean, we have no business. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's nothing I could do. No one's checking in. I get no, I get it. You know, all the hotels are taking a beat. You know, that that's just how it is right now. And eventually it'll get better, but when you have Broadway canceled, no MSG, no Barclays Center events, everything is pretty much shot in a curfew of 8 o'clock, yeah. you know. And I mean, eventually it's going to turn into a shelter in place thing. I already I could see that coming from a mile away. Oh. The Blasio's already talking about it. That means he's already planting the seeds for it. Yeah. And I definitely think it's going to happen. Wouldn't be a bad thing, but the country's just going to be crippled. Yeah, New York is. City is going to be completely crippled. Yeah, it's not. It's not looking good right now. As much as like we could have stopped this, I think like a while ago, and or prevented, like slowed it down a bit a while ago. It got it got to a point where it's like, oh man, it's like it's at, it might be a little out of hand at this point. Yeah, take it to account now. NHL is suspended, mm-hmm. which for the Islanders is probably a blessing. <laughs> you know, for the Ranger fan, oh, my God, which made me laugh because, you know, what I was talking about before, mm-hmm. right? He was all over Twitter whining about the about the NHL season being suspended and how it's so unfair to the Rangers because they're playing such great hockey. I don't doubt that last part. Yeah. Okay, they are playing very good. They hockey. are playing really good. 
this is just one of those unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. And it, it's a virus that's spreading fast. No one knows who has it. Now you have a player on the Ottawa Senators that has it. So now all the teams, like the Islanders, played the Senators right before the season got suspended. Yeah. Now the Islanders are going to probably be tested because we don't know. This is, yeah, this whole thing is we got we got nothing really. We got nothing now. I mean, it reminds me of like the '94 baseball strike when the Expos were like amazing mm-hmm. and then they shut down the season, and they were never good ever <laughs> ever since then. Well, that was, until I was they ultimately became the Washington National. I was just about to say that's like it's like the XFL. You know, you were kind of seeing good stuff from yeah. the XFL, and you were excited like, oh man, we like it's not it's not good, but it's not awful either. And then it's like, oh, these guys who had who. Were, who were relying on the XFL and make some money, now have nothing. So here's my first question, because now we're going to just segue to baseball, because now even though baseball is suspended and we don't even know if it's coming back, I mean, mm-hmm. this is a lot of different stories. So, Aaron Judge, with another injury, and this time it has to do with uh, a stress fracture in his rib, mm-hmm. which is, honestly, I've never heard of, but it sounds very painful. Yeah. Okay. The problem I have with the Aaron Judge injury was he said that he feels like he could peg it to when he played the Angels back in September, diving for a ball, and that's how he hurt himself. My question ultimately becomes, though, like, I give him all the credit for playing through it if it was even... Yeah, if it was that. Yeah. I mean, I do. I really do. I mean, I respect Aaron Judge. But here's the thing with me about Aaron Judge, and I was talking about it with my wife's cousin, Keith, who you know, he's always been a fan of our show and everything. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I said, do you think Aaron Judge is injury prone? And he said no. I said no. And I disagree with that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Now, when I looked into it, and I wrote it on the blog, I think I wrote it for you. I may have wrote it for you. I'm not sure if I did. I may, I may have, I may not have. Aaron Judge, over the past two years, has missed over 100 games. With various injuries. Now, look, when he's healthy, he'll tear the cover off the ball. We know that. Yeah. We know that. So it's not really about his la- his play. But at this point, that many games within a two-year period, now you could miss more. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, in many ways, the Yankees caught a break. The Yankees definitely caught a break with the coronavirus. Oh, yeah. Because the season is suspended. So Paxton has plenty of time now to rest up his back after the surgery, and even Judge has, a, has time to rest and recuperate for when base, if baseball ever com- comes back this year. Yeah, not, it's not only Judge and Paxton. You know, you also have Stan, who's on the, uh, the I.L. And let's call Hicks. Stan what he is. This trade is a bust. Yeah. Listen, stat-wise, Stanton's been okay. He should be better. But, yeah, yeah, but like Judge, he has been healthy. Yeah, he should be better, and he's getting healthy. And he took a lot of crap during the playoffs when he didn't play. I think he had like a quad injury, or he had some kind of injury. Mm-hmm. That was the one where Francesa was killing him oh, yeah. because he wouldn't, he wouldn't play Yeah, and everything. And then the guy had the nerve to come out after the game, after the whole Astros cheating thing went down, and talking about how, yeah, I would have hit 80 home runs if I had known this. And the thing is, like, listen, with all due respect, Giancarlo Stanton is the last person that should be opening his mouth about anything pertaining to the New York Yankees. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't. You've done – your stats are okay, but you haven't done enough in my opinion. I, I don't think he earned his stripes. No. He, didn't, he did not earn his Yankee pinstripes yet. I do Ma- not – yeah, I do agree with that. I don't think he earned his stripes either. And I think it's one of those things where – let's call it what it is. I just don't think this trade is working out for the Yankees. The problem is it's going to be very tough to unload him. 
It is, yeah, because he's making so much money and he's on contract for what another seven, yeah. eight years. Something Congratulations, like that. he is your new Jacoby Ellsbury. Yeah, because you, and the thing is, look, the Yankees have the money. I'm not saying they, you know, whatever, but that's not really the issue. The issue is the fact is you you took on absorbed a three hundred million dollar contract or whatever's left of it. I don't even know what's left of it, mm-hmm. and you're not getting what you should be getting. Exactly. And granted, yes, you didn't give up a lot to get him because Jeter was just looking to dump the money. He didn't care. Just want to dump the money, okay? That being said, though, you're not getting the return on your investment that you should be getting. Right. Okay? Even as a DH, Stanton is getting hurt. It's never a good thing, and he's already hurt now. Quad strains are tough to come back from right off the bat. Like, think about it. Conforto has an oblique strain. So, in many ways, the Mets are getting a little bit of a gift as well. Yeah, I know. Because by the time the season comes into play, Conforto could be 100%. Right. If opening day was next week like it was supposed to be, Conforto would probably not be playing. And who knows when he'd be playing. Yeah. So, but I have this hard time accepting that Aaron Judge is not injury prone. Nah, he definitely, I mean, look, he's only been in the league for, what, four years now at this point? This will be his fifth year, yeah. And the crazy thing is, is that now, with the coronavirus, we don't know how many games he would have missed. Yeah. Because for all we know, we could be 60 days until the season starts, right? Right. Give or take. And that's only in the event that we don't hear any more horrible news with each passing day. Right. That's the equivalent of how many games do the Yankees play a month out of 162? Uh, divide that by... Maybe 20? Yeah, maybe. Let's say 20. 20 games. per month. So you're looking at about 40 games. Yeah. Hypothetically, if the season starts in June... Judge is going to miss, if you take into account March 26th, which was the original opening day, mm-hmm. let's say Judge misses at least a month. Mm-hmm. And they don't even know if he needs surgery yet. Yeah. He might. And if he misses, he needs surgery, he's done for basically the season. And again, the leverage, but now you have leverage that's totally gone away from Judge, in my opinion. Yeah. I think the Yankees hold all the cards now. Oh, they definitely do. Well, Judge, you yeah, when he's healthy, he can still rip the cover off the ball. He's still a, he's still a great player, but you know, I don't think he's earned that you know top notch contract. Well, while I do think the Yankees will give it to him, I but I don't think he deserves it. He may not, though. They may not. It depends on what he's worth because the Yankees are going to hit a wall eventually where they're going to have to pay all these guys money. And I'm talking, you know, you have 324 million towards Cole right now. Which was a necessary evil. You had to sign Garrett Cole. If you didn't walk out with Garrett Cole at the free agency, you would have been Cash would have been toast. And the thing that I asked myself was, do you think Cashman? Do you think Cashman was basically on an ultimatum? And what I mean by that is, do you think that? Listen, the Yankees haven't made the World Series in ten years. Mm-hmm. That's like Mets time now. Yeah, We're getting into like thirty something years. The, the, that's the equivalent of thirty years for the Mets. Okay. Now, the Yankees have been, you know, they've been a great, great team, you know, last year with the, of course, with the Astros cheating scandal, who knows what would have happened, right? <laughs> who knows? No one knows. Yeah. Yankee fans can sit there all they want and say, well, we should be given, you know. Give us the World Series. No, yeah. Give us the World Series. You can't do that. Can't do that. Okay. Now, I still think the Astros should have been stripped. Yeah. Now that all the evidence comes out, now the evidence is out there and it just got progressively worse. The Astros should have been stripped. I just can't believe no no players were suspended from that at all. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is like what makes it even worse is that half of those guys weren't even apologetic. They it were was no. so phony. Like Bregman and Altuve had this 
If you ever, if you've seen the press conference, which I'm sure everybody has, you just have this. They just have this look on their face, like, "Why am I here? Yeah, Why do like, I have to do this?" Like Bregman came off as such an arrogant asshole. It was. I was like, "Are you kidding me? You guys got caught cheating, and you're denying." I've never it. seen anything like that before. I've that never be. like, and I mean, like, listen. You know, Marisnik, and you know what? A lot of the questions that I really liked was because a lot of those guys are on different teams. Jake Marisnik is on the Mets right now. Yeah. J.D. Davis is on the Mets right now. And Conforto got thrown the question, and he kind of deflected it the way everyone else did. Well, they're on our team now, whatever. No one was going to really, no player was going to sit there with a former Astro accused of cheating on their team and say, well, I don't want anything to do with the guy. Yeah, exactly. Because then it just causes unnecessary friction with your yeah. roster. And that's the last thing you need. But that being said, though, Man, the look on those faces, I will never forget the look on Alex Bregman's face. And that just goes to show you how much of a douche he really is. Yeah. Like, he wasn't even the least bit remorseful about it. Neither was Correa either. He was yelling at Cody Bellinger for Cody Bellinger saying what he had to say. Cody Bellinger Bellinger was dead on. Oh, yeah. He's dead on. I couldn't agree more with Cody Bellinger. And then Correa's, like, cursing at him. And I'm like, you guys got caught red-handed. It's not like, oh, you know, you're being accused or whatever. Okay, and then you have something to say back. They got caught. It's flat. It's that simple. And I can't believe they have the audacity to be like that. Now, this is what I'll say also. This is the Yankees' year. And can you be, imagine yeah. if this season doesn't take place? It's, it's far-fetched. Very, very far-fetched. Yeah. Because, you know, for all we know, within the next few weeks, this could be, this could kind of calm down a bit. You know, maybe, you yeah. know, doctors step forward, like the health officials in Washington step forward, and they say, okay, you know, Things look like it's starting to be contained a little bit. Maybe we could start negotiating on when to start up things again. Right. But then you got to go through spring training again yep. because you know the guys have to get into game shape. You know, it's either that or you start the season and then guys get hurt left and right because yeah. they can't they can't stay healthy. But it gets to the point where the you know if there was ever a time for the Yankees to take the series, this is the year. Yeah, I they're not going to have any competition from their division. The Rays will probably give them a little bit of a push, but I don't see the the Red Sox to me are rebuilding. Yep. Okay. You know, now there's a possibility that Sale may need Tommy John. Mm-hmm. So if he's Tommy John, he's toast. Yeah. They got rid of Price, they got rid of Betts. There's nobody intimidating on that team anymore. Outside yeah. of maybe JD Martinez. I was gonna say JD Martinez, Bogarts, and Devers. But that's it though. Yeah. It's literally those three guys and then uh, hot, and hot garbage after that. Yeah. And if you lose Sale you're toast. Yeah, your, your pitching staff is non-existent. And you can't even rely on sale this year because he had a terrible year the year before. But you went from one polarizing general manager in Dombrowski who basically mortgaged the entire farm, mm-hmm. won them a World Series, mind you, but that World Series may have an asterisk next to us because we don't really know if the Red Sox cheated too. Yeah. And you go from Dombrowski, you go to Bloom, And Bloom comes from the Tampa Bay Rays, and they have no freaking clue how to spend money. They don't. And Heimblum is not the kind of guy I would want running the Boston Red Sox yeah. because you don't know where his, his loyalties or you don't know what his philosophies are. Okay, Boston is used to being in it every year. Boston's into spending money, making big acquisitions, and everything. So if you want a short-term fix for a championship, Dombrowski's your guy. Yeah. Dombrowski would have traded Alonzo, I think, just to, get, just to get something. But that being said, though, you have the Red Sox who are definitely taking a step back this year. You have the Rays that made some good trades, like very under the radar type moves. Yeah. But nothing to me that's going to push the needle where they where challenge, challenge the Yankees. Yeah. 
The Blue Jays made some decent moves also. I actually like some of the moves they made. Yeah, but again, they're it, not ready to yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're still in the rebuilding process, and even the or- the Orioles just stink. Yeah, the Orioles are basically blowing it up. Yeah, exactly. They're, that is because of years of just throwing money, throwing money at just worthless players, never investing in pitching, never investing in the bullpen. You know, you just kind of kept riding out the same team every year, yeah. whether it was Chris Davis Adam Jones when they had him, Brian Roberts when they had him, Machado when he Machado was when they had him. They just kept pushing out the same team every year, and they paid the price. Now they have no choice but to literally start over. And the thing is, the Orioles, they're just going to do it. They're going to take their sweet-ass time. Yep. There is no reason to push this any further because you're not catching the Yankees anytime soon. You're not catching a lot of the wild-card teams anytime soon. Yeah, and even the, what you're saying about the Yankees, I've talked to Yankee fans, and I asked them, I was like, before this whole coronavirus thing started, I was like, is it a disappointment if you guys don't at least make the World Series? And they all, they, all the Yankee fans I've talked to, they said, yes, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a disappointment. Of course it is. It's a disappointment because you have not made the, you have not made the World Series since 2009. Like you said, that's in Met years, that's like 30 years. Yeah. It's crazy to be from to hear from the Yankees. And I mean not even I mean yes, you made it to the ALCS a few times, you made it to the, you know, the ALDS a few times, but you never got into the series. Yeah. And the thing is, that's on Cashman's watch. Yeah. And Cashman's a great general manager. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not. I don't think he sucks at all. I think he's made some really shrewd moves. I think he's made some real moves that, you know, he's, you know, but at the end of the day, I think the Steinbrenners are basically telling them, like, if you don't win a World Series, we're going to have to figure something else out because since you've been here, like, you know, you've always been a great general manager. And listen, he'll get snatched up in 10 seconds as a general oh, yeah. manager. But right now, this team has a this team has never been more pressure on this team to win. Exactly. Especially, and this all started in 2016, I want to say, or 2017, when the Yankees were still in that rebuilding process and they came out of nowhere and almost went to went to Game 7 with the Astros in the ALCS and surprised everyone that they weren't even supposed to be there. Then they go out and fire Girardi, and then they still make the playoff. They win the East again. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, okay, the Yankees are here now. And that was in 18. And then last year, they go out and win 103 games, and it still wasn't, it still wasn't good enough to, win, to get to the World Series. So now you come into this season... You're looking at the roster. It's like, you know, we can do it. We just need some better pitching. You let Vitanzas go, that's fine. You already had a stacked bullpen as it was. And then you bring in the best pitcher available on the market, which is Garrett Cole. And but then that, was even, that wasn't even almost the end of it because, remember, they were talking to the Brewers about Josh Hader? Yep. They were talking to the Mets. Can you imagine if they got Josh Hader? And I know I heard for a, for a quick while they were talking to the Mets about Mets. Yeah. They need, they need a pitching. And honestly, there was no way the Mets were going to trade Mets to the Yankees. No way. I mean, unless, honest, honest to God, the only way I would have probably traded Mats to the Yankees is if I had gotten, like, Davey Garcia back. Yeah, or someone like that. Or, even, or even, like, Andujar, maybe. See, but I don't know if I need Andujar. Yeah. I, I'm loaded everywhere right now. That's, See, like, that, this, is the pro, this is a good thing the Mets have right yeah, now. I'm it's, like, it's a great problem to have because you never know when it's going to come back, you know, where teams are going to really need somebody. Yeah. And now adding – Making it even better is the fact that Porcello and Waka have actually been really strong in spring training, which is what you were hoping for. Now, look, do I take much out of spring training? No, I don't. It's nice to see when your players are doing well. Yeah. It's nice to see when your players are, you know, they're competing. Mm-hmm. They're not injured. 
and they're not getting shelled by guys who will be bagging groceries when the when it's all over. Right. You want to see stuff like that. Yeah. And it's a good problem to have because I've always thought the Mets were kind of like 50-50 on Mets. I never thought they were all in on Mets the way they are with Syndergaard, with Stroman, and, of course, the Grom. Yeah. You know, and this is a good problem for them to have right now. You yes. have six viable starters. Porcello's looked really good. Matz has looked really good. Waka's looked good. The guy who hasn't looked as great is Syndergaard. Yeah. But I think Syndergaard will be fine. I think Syndergaard will turn it around this year. I really, I really have that feeling. And with Degrom, I mean, he might just he might go out and win three a third Cy Young. But the funny thing about Mets fans is we're just we're now we're going to segue over to the Mets. The funny thing about Mets fans is they're never freaking happy. And I and I'll tell you a funny story. I was. One of my favorite things on Facebook that I love to watch is Dave Portnoy. Oh, I love from Dave. Barstool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he's amazing. I really do. And I've never heard a guy seen a guy do a pizza review from a Seven Eleven until I watched him, and I almost <laughs> I lost it. I thought it was hysterical, right? Or when he went to like Cumberland Farms, oh, right? So funny. And like it just killed me, like the way he would just rip these slices of pizza. And I'm like, <laughs> but like he would just go off. So Dave Portnoy happened to be right by my office. There's a Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Right by my office. And, of course, if you've ever been a fan of The Office, which I'm not, I don't think that show is as good as everybody makes it out to be. And maybe it's just because the humor is too dry because <laughs> it doesn't have, like, the laugh track. I mean, maybe that's what I need to be. Oh, is that a joke? <laughs> right? But he was, he, you know, he cut to the scene when uh, Michael Scott yeah, yeah, Michael Scott goes to, like, oh, this is the, one of the best Italian eateries in all of New York City. Yeah, it's it's Sparrow. <laughs> and Sparrow's terrible pizza. I, I don't like it It's at like all. it's so dry. There's no sauce whatsoever. So he did a pizza review from Sparrow, right? And some guy walked by, and he, and he said, he basically just said, you know, F the Wilpons, right? Just like that. It had yeah. nothing to do with the Mets whatsoever. Yeah. Right? And Portnoy looked at him, and he was like, dude, are you kidding me right now? He goes, like, the hottest team in baseball, yeah. right? And whatever, and he said this, and I and I am a hundred percent in agreement on this. Met fans are the most ungrateful fan base in all of sports. Yeah. Okay. And I'm a Met fan, and I see it every day when I'm on Twitter, when I'm on Instagram, or whatever. Instagram, not so much, but on Twitter, it never ceases to amaze me how people just love to kill this team. And you know why? Because it's easy. It's it is the easiest thing that you can do. No, it, it, that's absolutely right, and I, I, I'll, I'll admit it. I, I, I've taken part of that at times because it's like you know what? Because we've had it bad for a while, but like when we get something good, it's like well, we need more of this, so we'll never be satisfied until we get to that world. To, until we get to the ultimate goal, of the World Series. So when we had it in two, when we were there in 2015, we were like, oh, okay, we're coming back next year and winning the whole thing. Yeah. Then when we went down, when we only made the wild card that year, we were like, okay. We'll get back to the playoffs next year. We didn't. We digressed again. We digressed again. And then last year we looked okay. So now it's like okay, we gotta keep going. We gotta keep building off this. We'll we'll never be satisfied with what, no matter how good we do, until we actually get to the World Series. Yeah. And I'll I'll admit that I'm part of that. Watch it. It's one of the funniest things because he like he literally like like he doesn't even go off. He doesn't even go off on the fan. He just says you know he's like he goes but like what makes it even more funny is the Boston accent. But that's besides the point. But he's like, you know, they're like the most, they're the most effing ungrateful fan bases in all the sports. They're the hottest team in baseball. And this is right after the All-Star break where the Mets were just killing it. Yeah. They were like in the, all, the wild card chase. And he's not wrong. Mets fans bitch and complain about everything. That's part of the reason why I hate Twitter. 
Yeah. Twitter has become such a bitch fest. Oh, yeah. I can't stand it. Like, I really can't. And if you need look no further than yesterday with free agency, it was it, it was unreal how many people wanted Joe Douglas fired. Already, after yeah. Already. Okay, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Back to the Mets. Here's the thing about the Mets. First of all, I'm a Brody supporter. So am I. I like Brody. I have no problem with Brody Van Wagenen. You, you Met fans can get all pissy and bitchy all you want because they don't spend money every year, whatever the hell excuse it is. But they don't need to. They don't need to spend money. They're set at a lot of positions. Yeah. And they're just like the Yankees because a lot of those guys are under team control. Mm-hmm. Okay? Alonzo, you just gave him the highest raise ever for an arbitration or whatever player, for like a second-year player. Right. Which is like, I was like, oh, man, they really lowballed him with a $600,000 salary. Turned out to be the highest one they've ever that's ever been given to a player. Right. Okay? And I love Pete Alonzo. I love everything that he stands for for this team, for this franchise. Okay? Right after the coronavirus broke and MLB was delayed, he came right out on Twitter and had one of the best messages I've ever seen because he wants to get out there. He loves being a Met. Those are the kind of guys you want. You want. Yeah, exactly. You don't want the Matt Harveys anymore. Yeah. You don't want the guys that just soak up the New York lifestyle for the sole purpose of, oh, I'm in New York. No, you want a guy who wants to go out there every day and kill it for his team. And that's what I think a lot of the Met roster is right now. Yeah. Wilson Ramos, Jeff McNeil. Conforto, Nimmo. Nimmo. DeGrom is the number one, the number one uh, Sh- guy. Shit, even that. Stroman. Yeah. Stroman's from is from uh, uh, Patchog. I think he's from Patchog, right? Yeah, or, I think so. Somewhere out here on Long Island. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He loves being a Met, and the one thing I love about it too is they all love Rojas. Yeah, they like him a lot. They love Rojas, every one of them. And the thing is, look, I didn't love the Carlos Beltran. This is how far we haven't done a show, by the way. <laughs> so you know, we're gonna go back and we're gonna take a step forward. And then we're going to keep going back before we take another step forward. Because that's how it is. That's how far me and Clem have not done a show together. Okay. When they hired Carlos Beltran, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. Same. I was 50-50. I was like, okay, there must be something they really like about this guy. Right. Okay. Yes. The easy move would have been to hire Girardi. Okay. And I would have loved Girardi. Girardi maybe should have been the manager mm-hmm. when all was said and done. Right. But they went with Beltran. My guess is maybe Girardi's ego just doesn't mesh well with Brody, and that's fine. Okay? Maybe. I don't know what the rule is. I don't know if it had to do with whether they wanted to pay him money. I, I don't really care about that stuff. But, of course, the minute that Girardi didn't get hired, here comes the Mets wine fest on Twitter. Doesn't matter who it was. Okay? And it's the same culprits all the time. One guy I used to work with at CBS. At CBS. Mm-hmm. The fact is, is Carlos Beltran could have been a good manager. I didn't see anybody bitching and complaining when the Yankees hired Aaron Boone. Yeah. He had no experience as a manager. So what you hire, So you hired him because you thought he was a good, you know, he knew the game well. Yeah. The same reason why Beltran got hired. And part of me thinks that Girardi is not a great fit for Philly, primarily because I think the ego of Bryce Harper is going to get to him. Yeah. I think yeah, that, it's going to be tough, but I was the same way on Beltron. I was like, you know what? I wanted Girardi. I wanted Madden. I wanted Showalter. I didn't get any of those guys. So I was like, you know what? I'm fine with Beltron. I sold myself on, you know what? A lot of these first-time managers have been doing good. This is the way that people are going. Well, I, I looked at, first off, being A.J. Hinch and Alex Correa. 
I didn't know they were cheating at the time, so I was like, oh, okay, you know, they did good. Aaron Boone did good. You know what? He has a history with the Mets. He was a, he's a, he's a great baseball player that we've seen. And you know what? I'm in, I'm, I was all in on him. I was like, you know what? I'm all in on Beltran. Then he got fired. I was like, great. Thanks but a that lot, was, Astros. <laughs> now, that was a funny thing, right? So then the story breaks with the Astros, and Beltran got dropped. And as soon as Beltran's name got dropped, we're not even talking about the next step about Beltran. Yeah. Talking to Keith, who is my, you know, that's the guy I text. Me and him text all the time when it comes to sports stories. The first thing I said, I think he even asked me, and I said, they got to fire him. I was like, I don't love the idea, and it's going to make them look like they're going to they're gonna look like jerks. Yeah. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. But you got to fire them. Yeah. And I said, you know why? And I said, here's why. Okay, because I was listening to Evan Roberts and Joe Beningo. By the way, WFAN has totally crapped the bed. It's just not good. I like Joe and Evan. I'm not a Joe and Evan fan, especially in the afternoon. The crazy part is I actually like Moose and Maggie. I'm not and a Moose And everybody, guy. like... It doesn't matter. WFAN could put an article up about the Jets and just say, oh, what do you think of this signing, Jets fans? And everybody will just be ripping Maggie Gray. And Maggie Gray is I, – I, I've, I've met Maggie Gray when I worked at CBS, and she's a sweetheart. I, like, I, like, I like Maggie. I am not a big moose guy. But the thing was, I liked, I liked Maggie more when it was CMB because yes. I actually really liked CMB. I love CMB. CMB really grew on me, and I think it was primarily because of Bart Scott. CMB really grew on me as a show. At first, I was like, eh, I don't know if this is going to work, you know, especially when Bart Scott came out and all you knew how to talk about was football. You didn't yeah. really know how to talk about anything else. But it got so much better. And Bart Scott was hilarious. But the one thing I loved about Bart Scott on that show mm-hmm. was he knew the ins and outs of the football business. Yeah. So he would just lay it on there. Yeah. And he would teach you something. Yeah. It's that like, you never knew before. It's like Chris, it's like Chris Canny on DiPietro and Ro- with Rothenberg, too. Yeah. So the problem I have with Evan and Joe is that I always feel like they get very arrogant. Joe kind of sleepwalks through the show. Let's just Yo, he's on his way out. That's yeah. why. The thing is that if it's not a Jets rant, he's useless. Yeah. And I've said that, and I even tweeted him that. He knows. He knows like, it, though. He's completely useless and irrelevant if it's not a Jets rant. And if the Jets win, he doesn't even know how to present it. You know? Yeah. Evan is kind of like, he's more of the arrogant guy. He's more of the guy that, like, you know, my opinion is the greatest. Yeah. Okay. Like a few people you and I have worked with in the past. <laughs> the thing is, is that Evan comes out and he basically says, well, you know, I don't need Rob Manfred telling me, you know, what to do with my manager. I don't need, this is where the Mets needed to stand up for Beltron. He didn't say it exactly like that, but that was basically what he was yeah. implying. But it was one of those things where he was just like, he was just looking for a reason to bitch about the Mets and yeah. complain about the Mets. I said to myself, I said, no. I said, you got to fire him. And the reason why you got to fire him is because you know what's going to happen in typical Met luck? The other shoe is going to drop. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be worse the second you go to bat for the guy. Right. The second you go to bat for Beltran, the next thing that's going to happen is it's going to be a story that comes out a week later. I said, this is far from over. I said, something's going to happen. And sure as shit, two weeks later, Here's the story about Beltron being the ringleader of the whole thing yep. and how young players were intimidated to go along with it or to tell him it wasn't a good idea and all that stuff. And I said, there it is. And just like that, the Mets look like geniuses for just getting rid of them, just saying, you know what, it sucks, it's not anything, you know. And whether they vetted the guy or not, whether they yeah. asked him about it or not, that's irrelevant. 
yeah. at this point, and even before that, because honestly, there wasn't much of a story to it. We didn't really know much about it, and it didn't become a story until Mike Fires ran his mouth. Oh, I know. What an asshole. I understand why. He did. I, I understand, too, but I'm okay. like, oh, he's Because he wasn't on the Astros. He was on the A's. They lost, and I think he just, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw it out there because they're. going to blow it all He probably up. even knew they were a bunch of cocky, arrogant players. Yeah. And they thought they were better than everyone else. And that's the only reason why you do something like that. You don't do it for any other reason. Yeah. Okay. Back to the Mets. The moves that Brody Van Wagen have made have been no different than any other general manager. Right. You hit on some of them, you miss on some of them. That's just how it is. Okay? Did I love the fact of giving up Jared Kalinick? No. Of course not. But let's call a spade a spade. The only reason why Jared Kalinick was in that deal was for Edwin Diaz. Exactly. It had nothing to do with Robinson Cano. It had nothing to do with Robinson Cano. Yeah, because when that trade first happened, I was like, oh, I'd rather not get rid of Kalinick. But we're getting the best right-handed closer in baseball at that moment. But I love that trade. You want to know why I love that trade? Because it took balls. Yeah. It took balls to make a deal like that. You think Sandy Alderson's making a deal like Absolutely that? Absolutely not. You think Sandy Alderson's going to hemorrhage money to all these players? No. Ain't happening. No way. If anybody knew the type of general manager Sandy Alderson was, he was the type of guy that waited it out until you couldn't wait anymore. Exactly. And that's, and that's what he did. With, we basically were – every Mets fan was begging him – to sign back Cespedes after the 15 World Series. dragged that out Exactly. Forever. And the thing was, the only reason why at the end of the day they got Cespedes back is because Cespedes didn't want to go to Washington. Yep. He wanted to stay in New York. He liked New York. He wanted to be in New York. You can call Alderson a genius for preying on that or whatever, you know, fine. But if Cespedes wanted to go to Washington, trust me, he'd be a member of the Nationals right now. Yep. And Met fans would have been screaming at the top of their lungs. That's the kind of GM he was. He played with fire too much. Sometimes it burned him. Sometimes it benefited him. Most of the time it burned him. Right. Brody is no different than anybody else. Calling him an incompetent general manager. Um, last time I checked, the Mets almost won 90 games last year. Yeah. 90. They won 88, I think, when all was said and done. 88 games for a first-year general manager, not a bad, not not a bad. bad start. I mean, yeah, you could say, like, oh, he didn't go out and get a center fielder or he didn't do anything to build the bullpen. Well, the bullpen, the thing about the bullpen was that they had saved some of those games compared to blowing them. Yeah. The Mets could have been a playoff team. That's what I was saying, too. I told and people. If, and if Mickey Callaway wasn't inept at certain decision-making during games, yeah, yeah, that could have been another problem. That could have been another thing that could have been fixed. There was a lot of reasons. It had nothing to do. I think it had somewhat to do with Brody Van Wagner. I think it had more to do with, for starters, Noah Syndergaard was terrible last year. Yeah, he was not good at all. He was hurt, and when he wasn't hurt, he was ineffective. Yeah. Two bad signs right there. The bullpen definitely played its role, trust me. We all know, but the bullpen was a different beast in the second half compared to the first half. The first half, they were a disaster. The second half, they kind of put it together, especially getting big seasons out of guys like Justin Wilson, Brody signing right there. But there's a lot of other things that nobody gives Brody credit for. For starters, you should be grateful that he got the DeGrom deal done. Yes. Can you imagine what DeGrom is going to cost now? Oh, my gosh. After seeing what Cole went for? Cole and Strasburg and even yeah. Zach Wheeler. I know, right? Jacob DeGrom is making $9 million more than Zach Wheeler. I want you to think about that. You got him for $125 million on five-year deal. Or one, maybe it was 137 I don't remember exactly what it was. 
But still, that is a bargain. A bargain compared to what the Yankees had to give Cole. And what the Phillies had to give Wheeler. Yeah. Wheeler is a straight-up overpay. That's what he is. I respect what he did for the Mets. I was a fan of Wheeler's and everything. But I knew he wasn't coming back. Yeah. Not for that price. No, yeah, not for, not that for any much. price. He might have taken the if he had taken the qualifying offer, that might have been the only way he's coming back. Yeah. But he was I don't think he was gonna do it. He knew he knew his worth and he wanted to go get it. But the second, the second Wheeler signed with the Phillies, here come the Met fans on Twitter. Oh, coupons are so cheap and everything. Why am I gonna pay Zach Wheeler? He was going to get, what, $27 million a year? Is he yeah. really a $27 million a year pitcher? No. Especially when the Mets, at that time, the at, at that moment, the Mets rotation was pretty stacked. You're From one to four, you're pretty good. So you can go out and get anyone like they did, like Waka or Porcello, to play that fifth role. But the it's worst, fine. But the worst part about it is every Mets fan thought they knew who Jared Kalinick was. Everyone. Oh, oh my God, they got rid of Jared Kalinick. You had no idea who this guy was. Exactly. No freaking clue. And then the worst part about it is, is when they were winning, nobody said a word about Jared Kleenick. Nobody gave a rat's ass about Jared Kleenick. Everyone was, everyone was all on the Robbie Cano train because he was tearing it up in the second half of the year before he got hurt. Yeah. Everybody was on the, on the train when the Mets were winning. You know, granted, they played, you know, listen, they played weak competition, but those are the games you should win. If you're going to be a playoff team, that's what you got to do. You got to win those games. Nobody was talking about Jared Kalinick then either. Exactly. When the Mets were on a tear and they were moving up and they were all of a sudden in the wild card race. Nobody cared about Jared Kalinick then. But then, of course, here it comes. The minute that Edwin Diaz blows a save or the minute Robbie Cano gets hurt and misses the season. Here we go. We're right back on the Jared Kalinick train. Just like that. I think Brody's done a good job as a general manager. I have yeah. no problems with what he's done. I love the canoe trade because it had balls. Yeah. It showed, and you know what? Got people talking about the Mets again. Okay. Was Cano good last year? No. He'll, and he'll even admit he wasn't good. But in July, when they really needed him the second half of the year, he was hitting over 300. Yeah. And you know what? He, you know what he adds to this team? He adds leadership. Something that, you know, there's not a especially now with Todd Frazier gone. Some of these young players, a lot of these young players, are going to look to Cano for some guy for, for guidance. Yeah, and he's he's been he's won a World Series with the Yankees. He's been to the playoffs. He's know what he knows what it's like. And the thing is, if it goes to the universal DH, which I think it is going to go to, which would be good for baseball, it's only going to make the Mets situation better. Exactly, because then you don't have to play him every day. You don't. And it'll give you a reason to keep Andres Jimenez on the team. And you move McNeil to second base. And if Rosario has to play third base, then Rosario plays third base. Yeah. You can't. Listen, prospects at the end of the day to me are overrated. And what I mean by that is is that we, we take so much into these prospects, but we don't really know what we have. You don't know. Exactly. I mean, like, do you get excited when the baseball draft comes around? Like the way you would if it was the NFL no, draft or the I, NBA I, draft? I'll, I'll get excited for, like, to see, all like, oh, who's the first, like, Couple picks, like the NBA. Like I'll see, like, oh, who's the first couple picks? After that, I really don't care. Yeah, I really don't. Nobody care. cares. The first pick, yeah, you're excited. Like the one thing I loved about the Mets, they went for it in the in the draft. Matthew Allen could wind up being a stud pitcher. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he's going to be a stud pitcher, but he was a first round talent. They got in the third round and they signed him. Yeah. By the way, that's a check for Brody. Yeah. Okay. Because he's got balls, and sometimes you need that as a general manager. You need that, especially for this team. This team needs that. 
They need the they need a general manager who's gonna take risks. Listen, some work out, some don't. Comes with the territory. But you can't rip the guy every single time something doesn't happen for the Mets. Yeah, exactly. You can't exactly and especially I think you hit it right on the head with prospects. You can't worry about oh, this guy's a top prospect. You know, look at Travis Darno. He's a perfect example. He was a top, I think, fifteen prospect before he got called up. Yeah. Sucks. It was terrible. Terrible. Only, listen, he had to get away from the Mets. Yeah. So I'm happy for him. Yeah. Because I don't like to see guys' careers end like that. I, I think I hate it. You know, I want to see guys be successful. If they're not going to be successful on my team, let them go be successful somewhere else. And he had a decent year with the Rays. But think about it in Tampa. There's no pressure there. Yeah, exactly. There's tons of pressure when you come to New York. And now he's going to Atlanta, a team that's going to be under a lot of pressure because they've underachieved. They've won the division, but they don't show up for the wild card game. Yeah, that was and it bad. comes back to Burnham. That was bad. But think about the deals he's made. You guys wanted a power hitting catcher. You got Wilson Ramos, who people are complaining about. I don't. Oh, yeah. Which leads me to that. I was watching SNY. By the way, I don't have cable anymore. We cut. We officially cut the cord. So I don't. Oh, have you SNY. doing like uh, like Hulu Live or something like that? We have Roku. We just watch okay. two apps. I, I. It was too expensive. It wasn't worth it. You know. The cool thing is, is that now that my kids have Disney Plus. They're good. <laughs> They're good. They don't have to worry about it. Like, every time I come home with something new on Disney+. Plus. And actually, Disney+, Plus is kind of cool for me because I've been watching The Mandalorian. How is that? That I show hear, kicks I hear, ass. I hear so many good things It's about very it. good. You know why it's very good? Because it's not, like, long. Mm-hmm. Each episode's, like, 40 minutes, like 30. Oh, that's not bad. So it's, like, a good length. Okay. I'm not a Star Wars geek like a lot of other people. Like, I know people are obsessed with Star Wars. I'm really not one of those guys. Yeah. I find it entertaining, and then people will be offended. I think, like, The Rise of Skywalker was really good. But I just, I like it. I enjoy it. I like I like The Rise of Skywalker. I, 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 I like Star Wars, but I'm like, I'm not going to say, like, I'm a big nerd about it. Yeah, you know? it's entertaining. You know, now I'm trying to get my daughter into the old Star Wars. So that's, like, that's been kind of, like, my thing. It's a little tough going because she really likes Rey. Oh, well, she right. loves Rey, and that, that's her Halloween costume this year. It's freaking March, and we already know what we're getting for October. <laughs> so... But I was watching SNY one day, and Sal Licata was on. I like Sal Licata because sometimes, like, sometimes his melodrama is actually very good for TV, mm-hmm. but sometimes doesn't make any sense either. So he's one of those guys that is, when the catcher's not hitting, the Mets need an offensive catcher. When the catcher is hitting and the team is losing, the Mets need a defensive catcher. Right. He doesn't know how to just, like, pick sides. Defensive catchers are fine, but for a team like this, if you have a chance to get Wilson Ramos on the deal that you got him on, mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer. I like Wilson. I'm a big I, Wilson Ramos fan. I so am I. I like him. Everyone's saying, "Oh, we need a defensive catcher. We need this. We need that." We don't. He did exactly what I expected him to do last year. Exactly. I did not expect him to be the greatest defensive catcher, but he hit. I think he hit over 20 home runs last year. Yeah, he did. Or if he did, he didn't. He came pretty close. He's exactly what I want. And to be honest, we haven't had a catcher like that since Piazza. Yeah, exactly. While Paul Aduca was probably the next best thing after Piazza, he was good. He wasn't. I like loved a... his power. I loved Ramos's power. That's yeah. what I wanted him for. I wanted another bat in the lineup. I wanted a lethal bat. And I remember during that offseason when he was a free agent, I said, this is the guy that should come to the Mets. This is perfect for the Mets to go out and get Wilson Ramos. Yeah. And they landed him, and I think he's done a good job. Syndergaard bullshit aside, you know, fine. But... He's been exactly what I've wanted. Then the Mets come out of nowhere and they get Justin Wilson, which was a very underrated signing. Yeah, I mean, you saw underrated. You say underrated because, you know, for like the, first, the beginning. He was hurt. Yeah, he was hurt. 
Then he comes in. Yeah, he pitches an under three ERA, which is like, whoa. Yeah. Like he was a very steady presence, and that's what they needed. And he got him for like ten million dollars. Yeah, it was exactly. A, it was a Real bargain. Cheap. It was an absolute bargain for what they got him for. Okay, let's keep going. J.D. Davis traded three prospects that no one knew or cared about. Now listen, when the trade was initially brought down and you saw Davis's stats, you like kind of said to yourself, "Yeah, like you, a, you're like, uh, oh, okay, okay yeah. this this is a little interesting, but maybe there's something we don't see." And then when you were reading up about it, you kind of got this vibe that. J.D. Davis was just a victim of not being able to play yeah. because the Astros were so loaded at every position. Yeah. So from there, the Mets get him. They give him an everyday role, and he tears it up. He had over 300. He was probably one of our best hitters last year. The downside to a J.D. Davis, unfortunately, is he's a man without a position. He's not a good defender, and that's always going to work against him. But right now, he's a valuable bat. And on this team, it's it's needed. Exactly, it is needed. While, yeah, defense is a big part of baseball. You still you need you need bats to win to win you the game. Mm-hmm. And if you can have guys like J.D. Davis, Dom Smith, Wilson Ramos, who are guys like you just need you need those kind of guys in your lineup in order to be successful. But for this notion at this point for the Mets that well you know the, the Mets aren't going to be that good this year or whatever. Listen. The thing that sucks for the Mets is half the free agent defections went to the NL East. Yeah. So you had guys going to the Braves, you had guys going to the Nationals, you had guys going to the Phillies. Quite frankly, I don't think the Phillies are going to be as good as everyone is making them out to be. A lot of people are kind of just saying, well, they have Girardi. So? They have no – their pitching staff to me is not that intimidating. Yeah, they got Aaron like, Nola. Nola's good. Arietta hasn't been good since he got there. And Wheeler, Wheeler's going into a hitter-friendly ballpark. Yeah, he is. And Citizens he, Bank is a very hitter-friendly park, and it's very easy to to hit to hit on on Wheeler if he's not if he's really not on his A game, you can hit him all day. And oh, by the way, no bullpen. Exactly. David Robinson may not even be start the season because he's hurt from last year. The Braves, listen, the Braves will always be in it. They're a very stingy team. They always give the Mets fits. We already know that. The thing about the Nationals is, and I remember because like this is another thing I don't do anymore. I don't respond to, like, general questions on Facebook about if, like, WFAM posts a question yeah. because you literally get the biggest douchebags that write you back. Oh, yeah, I know. They're the biggest jerks on the planet, and they're so obnoxious. They have no freaking clue how to have, like, a friendly sports debate. Yeah. They just, like, they're such, like, complete – they treat you like you're an idiot, okay? And I chalk that up to just being behind a computer all day, and that's, you know, because you're safe behind your computer, right? Yeah. I mean, no one's going to find you. Yeah. Okay. So, question was posted. It said, who do you think is going to win the NL East? Everybody right away was dogging the Mets. Because, again, it's easy. <laughs> I wrote back and I said, I don't understand why everybody's all of a sudden assuming the Mets aren't, don't have a chance. Yeah. I said, first of all, we have one of the best rotations in the league, in my opinion. I said, we have, we have a lineup that can hit. And the bullpen's pretty stacked now. And adding Batantis to the bullpen. Now, listen, we don't know what we're going to get with Batantis. The bullpen is probably the main wild card. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. But okay. if, 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 if everything works out good with between uh, Familia, Diaz, and Batantis, plus you already add Lugo, who had a, was arguably yeah. one of the best relief pitchers in baseball last year, and you add Justin Wilson and Giselman. But one thing I don't like about Seth Lugo is I think Seth Lugo's a baby. I think he's kind of annoying. Like, I love him. I think he's a great pitcher. 
but I think he's annoying. And the reason why I think he's annoying is because he's been comp- he just I feel like he's still like annoyed that he's not the number five. Yeah. Like he should be in the rotation. He wants to be a, a starter badly. And I and I respect that. I do. But if that's the case, if you want to be a starter somewhere else, then demand a trade. Yeah. Just say I would want to be a starter. I don't want to be in the bullpen. Okay. But you can't sit there and complain about it and then turn around and go, well, I'll do whatever the team wants me to do. Because really what you're saying is, I'll do what the team wants me to do, but I'm not happy with that. Yeah. So I'm not really a team player at the yeah. end of that. So I had finished, ri- what I wrote was, I don't get why everybody's making, automatically assuming the Mets have no chance at the playoffs. I go, they, you know, DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Stroman at the top of their rotation. I went on about the lineup. I said, the lineup is very strong. And I said, the one thing I said was, I think the Nationals are going, I said, not having Harper and Rendon mm-hmm. is going to hurt the Nationals. Right. Those is what I said. Okay. And then I said something about the Phillies. I said, the Phillies could, you know, yeah, while the Phillies have Girardi, I said, I don't really like their bullpen. I think their starting rotation is not that great. So this one dope from Florida, I've written back, and he just, and like I said, explain yourself as to why you think, but don't be like an ass. Yeah. The kid writes back and he writes, well, Harper wasn't on the team last year and they won the World Series. Not sure if you own a television. That's all he wrote. And like I said, it was just him being a douche. Yeah. Okay. And the thing was, I was this close to just ripping the guy to shreds. And I said, you know what? I'm not even going to get into it with this guy. I said, because, of course, the guy missed the whole point of what I was saying. Yes, they didn't have Harper last year. And, yes, the Nationals won a World Series. You can easily argue that the Nationals just caught a hot streak at the right time. Yeah. Okay. Because they were not the best team in the National League. They just, it was like the Mets in 2015. Yeah, they were. The Mets the rode a hot streak. They were not the best team in the league, but they rode it to the World Series. And it's exactly what the Nationals did. The only difference is the Nationals won it, the Mets didn't. Okay? Rendon is a huge part of that offense. Losing Rendon and Harper and not really replacing them, that's going to be tough. Yeah, while Juan Soto and Victor Robles are going to be great players, they're still very. I think they're still like, 20, like just like twenty three years and younger. Like they're not old. They're not older guys like Harper and Rendon are. Just adding Starlin Castro, just adding Azubu Cabrera, not bad. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's bad, but it's not great either. Yeah, you know, it's not. It's not the. And the thing is, when was the last time you saw a team repeat as World Series champion? Not recently, right? Yeah, not no. I'm not talking about getting to the World Series. I'm just talking about repeating as champions. There's a decent chance the Nationals could go to the World Series again because the Royals did it in back-to-back seasons. The Astros did it in 2019 and 2017. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, it's not. But I just don't think that team is built to be a contender or at least be in the discussion Mm -hmm. for the World Series. But I will tell you the one team that seems to choke its ass off every year, and that's the Dodgers. Yeah. But I think this year might be just a little bit different. They might be playing with a different vendetta when they found out about the Astros. Uh, but let me ask you a question: Get Mookie Betts on the team now. Do you think that Kershaw is an intimidating presence in the postseason? Now, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He never seems to show up, right? Or just never, never seems never seems to be a hundred percent. Like he, he he'll toss out some of the best. We, he's tossed out some of the best regular season pitching we've ever seen, and he'll get to the playoffs and then choke. Like, it, it, like it literally, all, all of his mechanics and everything just falls apart when they when he gets to the regular the postseason. 
-hmm. It's crazy. So he's not a threat at all. But for the, all those people who are just bad-mouthing Brody Van Wagenen every time something happens, look, let's call it what it is. Because, listen, you don't work in corporate America. Well, I do. One thing I've learned in corporate America, and i got no problem saying it here, who's going to tell? It's always been my experience that the higher the position, the shittier the communication. Mm -hmm. No one knows how to communicate anything. No one knows how to have a conversation that makes sense. It's always this, we got to hide it, we got to hide it, we got to, you know, whatever, we got to embezzle the money, we don't have to embezzle the money, right? It's like, they just, they don't know how to have, just be transparent, mm -hmm. to just be, okay guys, here it is, okay? That's the problem. And that was the thing with Brody Van Wagen and with Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran, he never asked Carlos Beltran about the Astros thing, never brought it up and said, hey, what is this thing? I don't think Carlos Beltran would have given you a straightforward answer anyway. Yeah. I don't think he would have given you anything that would have yeah, it's not perturbed like was, you from hiring him. Yeah, I it's think not like he was going to say, hey, I did this. Like, yeah. no, obviously not. It's like all, all the shit with, like, the Jets. The Jets are one of the worst communicators of information I have ever seen in my life. Okay? No one knows how to give a straightforward answer. Everybody's always hiding behind this and always hiding behind the process and always hiding behind. No one knows how to give a straightforward answer. If you're going to be successful as a general manager in sports, if you're going to be liked by the fan base, if you're going to be respected by the fan base, you can't treat the fan base like a bunch of dopes. You have to tell them exactly what it is. Right. You can't come out two weeks later that you knew about this and you didn't know what to do. Or you two weeks ago and, you know, whatever. Because then you start kind of, you're trying to hide, hide. And when you try to hide, you eventually get caught. And Brody got caught. He was trying to deflect the whole Beltran thing. He was trying to deflect this. It didn't make any sense. None of it made sense. But maybe you finally got it right with Luis Rojas. I don't know anything about Luis Rojas. Neither do I. The only thing I know is he was supposed to be the quality, quality control coach coming into this. And season. everybody said the same thing. Everybody said, well, you know, they should hire Dusty Baker. I don't want anything to do with Dusty Baker on the nuts. Dusty Baker, to me, is living proof. He's like, you know what he reminds me of? He's like Eric Bischoff. <laughs> he's like that guy that, like, the minute a managerial position is open, he's a name. Yep. And Dusty Baker's been a successful manager. I'm not saying he hasn't. He's never won a World Series, though. Although, I mean, maybe he won with the Giants, like, years ago. Mm -hmm. But he's just not a guy that, like, is like, yeah, I got to have him as my manager. Right. Same thing with, uh, who was the other guy? Uh, Showalter. I like Buck. I would have taken Buck in a heartbeat. Okay. But at the end of the day, they picked Rojas, and I'm fine with it. And the thing is, the players like him, and that's another that's yeah. another big positive. Yeah, when he when they came when the news came out that he was going to be the new manager, players left on McNeil, Conforto, Alonzo, and it's a seamless transition, right? Yeah. Because you kept Chili Davis as your hitting coach, you brought in Jeremy Hefner as your pitching coach. If you bring in a guy like Buck, how do we know Buck's going to want to work with these guys? Yeah, exactly. You kept you kept relatively the same staff. And the thing is, is that if Buck is going to have to hire his own guys because that's what he's going to want to do, mm -hmm. then you got to have guys like Chili Davis and Hefner looking for jobs because, you know, now you got to fire them yeah. because Buck doesn't want them. And then on top of that, the players are now getting a whole new philosophy that they may not buy into. Yeah, exactly. At least with Rojas, you keep it seamless. The, the coaching staff stays the same, and that's that. But this notion that Brody Van Wagenen is a terrible general manager just makes no sense to me. It's so hit or miss. Yeah. Especially because we're going into year two of it. It's not like we know what this guy has done before. The guy was an agent beforehand. We have no idea what this guy can do. Let's give him a 
give him a couple years, and if he really stinks after like yeah. four years, then we can start criticizing him. Give him a shot. No one wants to give these guys any credit anymore. Yeah. Nobody wants to just be like, hey, you know, he's growing into the position. Right. Think about the 49ers. The 49ers bring in John Lynch, who had no JM experience whatsoever. And John Lynch hires Kyle Shanahan. And the first year or two is, is brutal, right? They went 2-14. and 14, They went whatever it is. Okay? Third year, Super Bowl. Yeah. Just like that. Everything clicked. Jimmy G had a pretty strong season, even though he kind of, I thought he was very timid in the Super Bowl. And I think that there's going to be, there's going to be a rift there eventually. Their defense was fantastic. Defense was absolutely fantastic. Oh, I know. That was the, that was the main okay. reason why they got there. You know, I don't know if that guy would have been a head coach right off the bat, but he will be soon. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, see how it all gels together? Yeah, give it some time. It needs time. It needs time. It's like a fine wine. You just got to let it age. Give it time. <laughs> okay. No one wants to do that in New York anymore. No, everyone wants right If now, it's World Series, right it's first year World Series, if not, fired. Sure. I think he's done a kick-ass job. Well, I've had no that. problem with what he's done, and I love the signings he made this offseason. So do I. I love, I love the You know, the only thing I would have maybe liked to have seen, if you want me to be nitpicky about it, fine, is just maybe I would have liked a, like an everyday center fielder. Yeah. I'm like, a, but okay, he, I'm fine with Marisnik. Yeah. And you know what? You can address that next year. Yeah. You don't need to address that now. Yeah, exactly. Because especially because this market was so slim as it was, I think Starling Marte was like the biggest name out there. And honestly, like I would have liked Starling Marte, but not at the price he would have been asking for. Plus, the one thing I think it's funny about the Jason Marisnik signing is that you know when the Astros scandal came out, someone went back and they put put together stats of how many times who who got the the trash can banged onto them. It's, it turned out that Marisnik got it banged from the most, and, yeah. he, and he still hit like two forty. Yeah, he still. So I was like, oh, okay, good. The Met, the Mets got the Mets got the worst cheater. <laughs> but again, it's just like you know what? What's done is done. It's over. The one thing I got tired of hearing about hearing what the whole thing was the Yankee players. I got so sick of hearing. Oh something. my god! Every day it was someone new. And fans were calling into like WFAN and ESPN saying, "Oh, we the Yankees deserve the World Series. The Yankees deserve the World Series." I'm like, no, why? How do you know? Yeah, you don't know if you were going to beat the Dodgers. You have no idea. The best thing you can hope for is that the Astros get the title stripped, and they're not getting it stripped. So suck it up and deal with it. Exactly. Okay. The commissioner has spoken. There's nothing else to talk about about this anymore. And now it's old news because the coronavirus has taken over everything. So I have a theory that the Astros actually started the coronavirus just to get the news off them. <laughs> Clearly killing me right now. <laughs> okay. This is what I miss. I miss your random conspiracy theories. <laughs> right? It's almost like, you know, you put it all together. Oh, you know, well, it could have been China, but I think it was the Astros. <laughs> I, was, I was just sitting there. I'm like, you know what? This will be funny. I'm like, what if the Astros did this? Yeah. Who knows? But again, listen, the thing that sucks is that I was really excited about the Mets season. So was I. I was definitely looking forward to seeing, you know, I, w I wasn't going to go to opening day or anything, but it was just the fact that I was so excited for baseball to be back because then everything kind of falls into place because, you know, then that lull when the Super Bowl's over, <coughs> you see, right now, nobody gives a crap about hockey. And they only really did because the Rangers were playing so well. Yeah, especially in New York because, you know, the Islanders, like they always do, Start out amazing yeah. and then die off quickly. And that's their own fault. And the reason why it's their own fault is because they bring back the same guys every year, which I hate. I cannot stand when they do that. And I said that from I – have, I have, like, two really good friends who are Islander fans. And I'm tired of seeing Brock Nelson on this team. I am tired of seeing – I like Jordan Eberle, but I was a little surprised he signed. He re-signed. But 
they don't really make any needle-pushing moves until recently when they got Pajot from the Senators. Yeah. And then they were on the verge of trying to get Zach Parisi. The problem with the Zach Parisi trade is I did not want to give up Kiefer Bellows. Yeah, I didn't like want Kiefer nothing Bellows to do with lot. giving up Kiefer Bellows. But what was weird is like Kiefer Bellows comes up for like two weeks and then he goes back down yeah. and never be heard from again. And the thing is, what's alarming about the Islander, the youth of the Islanders, is they're not really developing. Yeah, Michael Dalcole is a bust. He's terrible, and Josh Hosang wasn't exactly any better either. Yeah, and that was a guy that needed to get off the team because he had such an attitude problem. Like everything was like he was just being like such a pain about everything. Yeah, you know, like this like weird sense of entitlement to you know playing time and being on the main roster was out of, it was out of control. Yeah, and like I'm not gonna say Barzell is a bust because he's 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 played good, but I think Islanders expect a lot more out of him. Well, I blame the fans for that exactly because yeah. when JT signed with the Maple Leafs. And listen, that's his God-given right as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You want to sign with the Maple Leafs, go ahead. It's, it's free agency. You do whatever you want. The only thing I didn't like, I didn't care about the fact that he signed with the Maple Leafs. What I didn't like was the fact when the Islanders wanted to trade him at the deadline because he wouldn't give them a commitment, he told them not to, yeah. and he wanted to continue. Basically, yeah, he basically so what is Garth Snow going to do? Is he going to tell John Tavares, okay, uh, Screw you! I'm not gonna. You know, I don't want to listen to this. Yeah. No, he's gonna be like, okay, fine. You know, basically implying, hey, I want to come back. Basically, he probably fe- he probably felt they had a verbal, maybe verbal agreement that yeah. w- w- I'm gonna sign with you. Let's just get this all done. Yeah. And Tavares screwed them. Let's call it what it was. He screwed them. Okay. They thought they had a deal done. Turned out he didn't. He went to the Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs haven't exactly been leaps and bounds better, but okay, whatever. The thing about the Islanders was they needed to replace him, and they did not. Yeah, they and did not. They wanted. They threw it on Barzell, which was unfair to do of a young kid, who was supposed to be this lightning rod player. And to be very honest, he's a puck hog. He's a puck hog. He's a good player. I don't consider him an elite player yet. He's not. That's what the Islanders have been missing these past two years. Last year, they didn't make a trade at the deadline, and you saw why they got blown out in the second round of the playoffs last year. Well, yeah, they were, and they didn't know moves this offseason. All you can say, yeah, they tried to. They gave Panarin the big contract. They gave him more than the the Rangers there. But in the end, the he just Panarin just wanted to go to the Rangers. They offered him a lot of money. There was a there was like a weird story about why Panarin ultimately went to the Rangers instead of the Islanders. It had to do with some apparently Lamarillo got kind of killed for it. I forgot what the all the details were, but the Islanders who are who they are. Yeah, you know they have their loyal fan base. I'll always be an Islander fan to the day I die. They're a good hockey team. But they're still missing that elite score. They, yeah, don't, they don't have, have it. it. They don't have. They have everything else there. They have good players. And everything is good. And everything is breaking right for the Rangers. And unfortunately, the coronavirus really kind of threw them. You know, now it's kind of messed with them because when they come back, they may not be the same team. Yeah. You know, it depends on what it is. If the off is going to tell the Islanders anything, is they have to start bringing in some bigger fish because you're moving into a new arena next season, yeah. 2021, 22 season. You're going to Belmont. You have to have a quality score, an elite score, someone on that Tavares level. And right now, you don't have it. And that's why you're getting your ass kicked on the ice because teams have kind of figured you out. Yeah. You don't have that intimidating presence anymore. Anders Lee's been, in my opinion, awful. Yeah, he's not. I mean, he's, he's all right, but I get like Barzell. People expect Lee and Barzell to be these next-level but what infuriates players. me is seven-year deal, $49 million, first year you play like crap. Yep. That's what bothers me. I think he earned that. He definitely earned the contract the year before. 
But, again, he's not playing good. All right, let's jump to – how about some NFL? I'm down. All right. I know you've been waiting for this. You've like, you, Clemson – see, you can't see it, right, because we're, it's all audio. But Clem has had this look in his face like, dude, can we get to freaking football? Yeah, I, like, I love baseball, but football like football is my real love. I love I love talking football, especially like, with all new. Clem's like, I know I gave you this time, but it's like, come on, <laughs> come on, man. You know, we're watching all the signings on TV right now and everything. Uh, speaking of signings, there's one of them. Oh my god, okay. I, can't, I can't believe that. First things first, let's get to let's get Brady out of the way. Okay, we're not going to go into every single free agent signing because that would just take an eternity. So we're going to do – let's do, like, maybe 30 minutes on football, and we'll do the last on, like, wrestling and mania, and then right. call it a day. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say about Brady. I'm having a hard time believing that the reason why Brady decided to go to the Buccaneers was because – and I saw this on Twitter, and I forgot who posted it, and I just thought it was just outright ridiculous – that it had to do with Belichick – benching Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl, and they wound up losing. That was when they played the Eagles and they lost. Yeah. Okay? Or whatever it is. I don't know the real reason. My honest opinion, I don't think Brady's going to make the Buccaneers leaps and bounds better than they're going to be a Super Bowl team. First of all, you're going into a division that's fairly tough. you got to play Breeze twice. you got to play Matt Ryan twice. And you got to play Teddy Bridgewater twice now. And Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. He is. He's not, he can't do what Breeze and Ryan do, but he's a game manager, and that's all you need sometimes. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Right. He gets the ball off, you know, even if it's a lot of checkdowns and whatever, doesn't matter. He knows what he's doing. Right. That's going to be a rough slate of every year playing the Panthers twice. It's easy when you got to beat up the Dolphins and the Jets and the, you know, and the Bills gave you a little yeah. bit of maybe some fits now and then. I knew he was going to pick the Buccaneers because just based off the weapons, I'm talking Godwin, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brake, Ronald yep. Jones in the backfield, Peyton Barber in the backfield. They're loaded. Now there's a weird story going around that they made, that Brady wants the Buccaneers to bring in Antonio Brown because they're, like, I guess really good friends or something like that, and they want to win. Well, yeah, because I think that was the reason why, you know, A.B. was originally brought into the Patriots because they were, they were, they were friends. I, but I, he, but AB just didn't fit the the Patriot way. But so my question here's my question though: If that's the case, okay, then why wait till now to leave New England? Why not leave when you had the first chance when you were a free agent? I think it's just you know he's finally at a point in his life you know because people have saying you know he's in 20 years with the Patriots. I think he just wants to you know like you know what I want I just want to do something different now. Just say it out. He has six, and he honestly he has the right that he if he wants to leave now he can. And he that's has, fair. I'm not saying he can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. And you know what? I'm glad he's out of the AFC East. Oh, so am I. Oh my god. I'm glad because now it's an open. It's an open. It's open season. It is. But you know what? Like we'll we'll fi- this is, and this will be good, good to see too. You know, we'll finally get to see. You know, is it Belichick? Is it Brady? Who was who was actually like the mastermind behind this? You know, and if Brady sucks in Tampa Bay, we'll know it was Bill, Bill Belichick all along. To me, I just don't see why. If you're basically going to only play one more year, I can't see him playing any more than one more year. Yeah. Right? Maybe two. And I mean maybe. One more year, you couldn't just tough it out with New England for one more year and then call it a career? That's what I was I was telling people. I was like, look, I, I don't when, – even when the rumors were coming out that he was going to sign with the Buccaneers, I was like, I'm not going to believe it until I actually see it. 
Yeah. I, I was like, I, could, I, I couldn't believe that he won't even wanted to leave. I was like, why would you want to leave something so good? You know, you have such a good rapport with the, the Patriots. Robert Kraft said you were like a son to him. I can imagine Brady uh, Belichick said the same thing. Why would you want to leave something like that? If you're being treated so good, he was the king yeah. of Massachusetts. And that's and that's what I just don't understand. Like it's one more season where you have Edelman there, you know. And granted, they didn't. You know, Belichick has always been. And listen, Belichick is an incredibly intelligent GM. Yeah. For the roster, because every guy that leaves there is never good, and then every guy he brings in is amazing. Yeah. Okay. Look at a guy like Jamie Collins. Remember yeah. how Jamie Collins was a great linebacker with New England? Then he went to Cleveland. He was terrible. Went yeah. back to New England. It was great. Yeah. Now or, he's in Detroit with Matt Patricia. Or even so, like, or even like Kyle Van Noy. He was drafted by the Lions originally. Not good. Goes with the Patriots. Stud. Gets signed by the Dolphins. Who knows if he's going to be good? I mean, listen. At the end of the day, it's his decision. It's going to be insanely awkward seeing him in a Buccaneers. Oh my god. I mean, I'm going to be happy, but uh, it's going to be so weird. And it was crazy because there was one article. I think it was either on ESPN or it was in CBS Sports that said Bruce Arians is going to have to learn Tom Brady's offense rather than his own, then vice versa. The one thing crazy about it too, and I was listening to it today. Bruce Arians runs an air-rated offense. Mm-hmm. Brady doesn't have the arm anymore to Can't do throw that. deep anymore. I mean, yeah, on occasion he can, but he's not going to be that type of guy to throw like 40 passes. He's like, not, yeah. He's, he's not, not Jameis. He, he's not Jameis. Yeah, Jameis and, and Brady are two very different quarterbacks in the way they throw. And especially now you have guys like Evans and Godwin who are two are probably the top, probably top 10 wide receivers right now in the league. It's go, It's going to give, I don't, I don't know how to really say like it's, going to be different for Brady, I guess you could say. I think it's going to be an adjustment, and the thing is it's going to be also a timing thing. Yeah. You see, the beauty about Tom Brady in New England was he didn't really have to do any work there. Once he got the offense down and he was been with the same coach for his entire career, he's been in the same team his entire career, and he's been with pretty much the same players for most of his career. Yeah. Whether it was Gronk before he retired, you had Edelman, you had, you know, remember when they had uh, Chris Hogan? Chris Hogan, Wes, Wal- Wes Welker. Wes Welker. I mean, he had these guys for multiple years. Even Randy Moss he had for a few years. This year was probably the weakest offensive unit for the Patriots because it was Philip Dorsett, who was more of a deep threat, who made some big plays. Nikhil Harry missed half the season, and when yeah. he did, he wasn't really that effective. They had you no had Gronk. Julian Edelman. They had no Gronk. I mean, it was not the greatest offensive team on the Patriots, but they still found ways to win games. Right. And you kind of saw them exploited in the cha- in the playoffs against the Titans because, again, they were not a strong team offensively. So there's that. I'm fine with it. As long as you're not in the AFC East, I could care less where you go. As long as you don't go to the Dolphins, I'm fine. Yeah, that's fine. Now, I was reading something yesterday because I'm in a bunch of Facebook group chats, and everyone keeps saying, oh, Brady's out, Sam Donald's the new yeah, the, the see, best I, I don't get into that stuff either. But see, and that's the thing. Like, I as a Jets fan, I love Sam Donald, but I really don't think he's the best quarterback in the East right now. I think it's Josh Allen. Um, I, I think here's the is. thing about Sam. I, I'm going to table that right now. Okay. The reason why is because Sam hasn't played a full season yet. Okay. And I am convinced that if Sam had played a full season last year, I think the Jets would have been a playoff team. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm convinced of it. And listen, you can get on Adam Gase all you want. I don't love Adam Gase, but I don't despise him the way some people do. I really don't. Yeah. Um, I think that Gase failed in Miami because he didn't exactly have the most talented team on that the last year. He didn't, and I, I'll say, and I said, I kept saying this, you know, 
when it was Gase's first year there, he led the Dolphins to the playoffs. And who knows what that would have been if Tannehill didn't get injured that year. Yeah. And Tannehill was injured the next two years. And that and now you see Tannehill what he's doing on the what he's doing on the Titans. See one of the things that I'm proud of is I got blocked by Manish Mehta oh, from the Daily idiot. News. That guy's an idiot. Because I would just destroy him. Like I literally was like I was like sending him like stuff. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about or whatever. I'm like <laughs> I go so so you're telling I'm like I go first of all because he put out this article that just pissed me off. And the thing that I don't like about guys like Manish Mehta is if you read other bloggers like um, even when we used to have Daryl Slater on the show, and, yeah. and, and he used to talk about the Jets all the time. Daryl was the kind of guy that definitely posted his negativity about the Jets, but he didn't just spend his days being negative about the Jets. Right. He always found ways to find a silver lining. Right. But he would also tell you when the Jets were awful. That's what made him a good reporter. And I'm not just saying that because he's on my show. I used to read his stuff. His stuff was great. You know, I used to love reading his stuff on, on NJ.com. The thing that I had a problem with with Meta was it got to the point where the Adam Gase thing became more of an obsession. Yeah. It wasn't even had anything to do with his coaching. It was just the guy was literally going out of his way to just rip the guy to shreds every chance he got. You know, it was either this thing or about, oh, he doesn't use Le'Veon Bell well enough, and he didn't do this right or whatever. But, like, it was always something. Yeah. Always yeah. something. And it got to the point where it was becoming like you just couldn't read it. Yeah, and I, I agree with you to the fact that, yeah, I mean, I mean, I may not be Gase's biggest fan, but I will tell you he definitely is doing a better job than what Bowles would be doing because Bowles was still the coach. Jets win four games, maybe. But Bowles would year. also just be sitting there, and he wouldn't give you anything. At least and the thing did. is, Gase is the type of guy. Gase is who he is. Yeah. Gase is arrogant. He's cocky. Yeah. He thinks his offense is the greatest in the world. It's a run-and-shoot offense from, like, the days of the Houston Oilers. Watch the Houston Oilers games from, like, the 90s. If you ever want to see something on NFL, yeah. watch the old Houston Oilers teams from the 90s. All they did was throw. They had three great receivers, right? Mm -hmm. They had a running back that they barely handed off to, and they had a great tight end, and they would just throw. Warren Moon would throw all day. That's what Gase's offense is predicated on. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a pass-happy offense. Now, you need weapons, and I think the Jets had weapons. And think about how much better the Jets would have been if Chris Herndon hadn't been suspended. Oh, yeah, I know. Think about how good Ryan Griffin of a pickup was for that. Yeah, exactly. That caught everything. The Sam, lo Sam loves using his tight end. Robbie Anderson developed into a good receiver. Yeah, I still think he's a bit of a one-trick pony. So but why? Do you think he's coming back? I think Douglas is going to be smart because I've been reading a lot of the tweets going around, and there's no market for the receivers right now. Yeah. And that's why Robbie Anderson's not getting any offers because once the Cardinals got DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, that was insane. Okay. Um, it kind And then the Bills got Stephon Diggs. The market kind of dried up yeah. to the point where he's, not, he's probably not going to get the offer he wants. He wants that 14 to $15 million a year. He's not going to get that. I don't – yeah. Like, I'm all for bringing him back on the right contract. I don't want to give him a $15 million contract. No. I really don't. So then we get to that. So the thing I had a problem with Maida was Maida was always just, he was just, it just got unbearable. You know, then he was accusing, he was like, oh, well, Ryan Tannehill's so good now and because he got out of Adam Gase's shadow. That's not true that's at all. That's not true at all. Then he was going on about how Kenyon Drake was a great player. And I tweeted him, I said, Kenyon Drake scored four of his touchdowns in one game. I go, you know who else scored four touchdowns in one game? Al Bundy. <laughs> okay and how far did that get him see what i mean yeah it's like 
you're taking a small window of success and turning it into this whole tirade against the coach because you think your opinion matters. Right. You think you are the voice of the Jets organization. You think you are the voice of the fans. You're not. You're a tool. You're a tool who basically sits there and just writes negative crap any chance you get. Right. Now, here's what I like about Douglas. Okay? Douglas is basically saying to the Jet fan, I hate to do this to you, but screw you. I'm going to build this team the way I want to build this team. If you have a problem with that, go do something else. Right. Okay? you got to be patient. For example, the Jack Conklin deal doesn't look that bad on paper until you get to the first year. $20 million guaranteed first year. That's a cap killer for the Jets. They don't have as much money as other teams. Right. And they have so many other holes to fill. So, okay, so let's say you give Jack Conklin a $20 million guarantee in the first year. You're not going to sign the other guys. The other right. guys aren't going to get the money that you want. So he was methodical. He knew he had to address the line. But he's also going into guys going for their second contracts. The guys, have you ever noticed that, the, the trend right now with the three guys they just signed? Yeah. McGovern is in his second agreement. He's 27 years old. Alex Lewis in his second, you know, is re-signed with the Jets. He's like 26. George Fant. Listen, I don't know much about George Fant, so I'm not going to sit here and wax poetic about the guy. All I know is he hasn't had a lot of reps as a tackle, but when he has, he hasn't been a bad player. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't been bad. If you think he's done, he's not. Yeah. And all they really have to do at this point is, with that 11th pick, get that tackle you want. Get that Andrew Thomas, you know, whoever, out of the big four. I don't care who's left out of the big four. You take the one that's not there. So you want to tackle it at 11. The thing is, I don't know if I want a receiver. I don't know if I want Jerry Judy. I don't know if I want C.D. Lamb because, honestly, I would love to have those guys. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I know that we need a tackle on the other side of that line that we can develop for the next 10 years. That's what I want. See, I, w- I'm all, I was all in on getting Judy or Lamb because I think those two guys can can be one of the next great wide receivers in the end. But NFL. one of the mock drafts was interesting. I can't remember which one it was. One of the mock drafts had the Jets had Okuda falling all the way to 11. Yeah, the I, Jets saw, I saw that. And me, I texted my buddy. That's not out of the realm of possibility, though. It's not for the Jets, but I do not see Okuda dropping all the way to 11. It's not a normal possibility, but I think the team that's where it's going to fall, I think after the Giants, Okuda could drop. If Okuda doesn't get drafted by the Giants, because we know the Dolphins are going to probably draft Tua, the Chargers are going to draft a quarterback most because they've right. already said that they're not going to sign anybody. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna roll with Tyrod Taylor this year. But I think if they draft Justin Herbert or Tua, I think they're going to roll with that guy mm-hmm. instead. All the other teams, I don't see Okuda falling into that pick. It could fall to the Jets. It's highly possible. And one thing about the Jets is they've had a pretty good track record of getting lucky with draft picks in the first round. Yeah, the first round. But Now, oh, yeah, we, we could go all day talking about how awful <laughs> the middle rounds have been. I mean, some of the picks, like, like I literally, one day I just went on Wikipedia and I was like, I just want to see who, like, the Jets over the years, who they drafted in the middle round. And when I say middle rounds, I'm talking second, third, and fourth. Fifth, sixth, and seventh do nothing for me because those are just those are guys that if you if you find a diamond in the rough, great, but most likely they're going to be cut or they're going to be a practice squad player. Man, Clem, the list of horrible draft picks in the second, third, and fourth round over the years has been mind-numbing. Oh, it's terrible. Mind-numbing. It's really bad. You can even go back to 2017, which was just three years ago. Who was it? It's, it was Jamal Adams, Marcus May. 
Marcus May, you couldn't. You couldn't Marcus May's up. been good. He's been better. I'm glad he got to finally get a full season under. Yeah, no, he's just he's just been injured. He plays great when he's healthy, but he he's injured. The picks after this: Darius Stewart, oh, Chad ha- Chad Hansen. Chad Hansen wasn't a bad pick, but you could tell that he was never going to make it because he had a hard time getting separation against a defender. Jordan Leggett. That was when that was when they could have had George Kittle. Yeah, they drafted George Kittle got drafted in the fourth round, and then the Jets actually no. George Kittle got drafted like four or five picks before the Jets because they drafted Jordan Leggett, and George Kittle got taken at the top of the draft because I'm the 49ers at the second pick that year. Then they drafted Dylan Donahue, who I I took a selfie with. That was the guy who basically wrapped his car around somebody in the Lincoln Tunnel. I remember that. Uh, Brilliant. Eli McGuire. Not a terrible running back. I liked him. I liked him. Not a great one, but not a terrible one. Uh, Jeremy Clark. I didn't even know who that was. He was a corner. They didn't really yeah. do much with him. And right? Derek Jones. Derek Jones is in the XFL, actually. He was in the XFL this year. I don't know, I forgot what team he played for, but. Um, oh, God, it goes on and on. Jay Samaro. Oh, um, God. Shaq Evans. Jalen Saunders. I mean, the Idzik 12. I mean, what does that tell you? There's I mean, no. I'm looking at the roster right now. Between 2014 and 2016, there's only two current players on this show on, who were drafted in between 14 and 16 on this roster right now. Two. Yeah. Quincy and Nunwa and who's the other one? Uh, Jordan Jenkins. Who well, I like. I really one. hope that he comes back. It's not looking likely. I know. From what I'm reading. It sounds like, actually I heard the Giants are interested in him. The Giants are It'd talking be great. about him. Honestly, I like Jordan Jenkins. Jordan Jenkins is a very underrated player. He is. And I think the Jets could have got him back for cheap. And I he But the one thing about Jordan Jenkins too, and I've said this to people, he hasn't gone down. He, his game has never declined when he, since he's been in, on the Jets. No, he's been a consistent it's, player. It's, it's always been increasing each and every year. And but it, the only thing is that, you know, he's the sole pass rusher on this team where it's like, okay, yeah, all we have to do is double Jordan Jenkins, and now, that's, that's it. So far, so of course, on the first day when the Jets didn't get Jack Conklin and the Jets didn't get Graham Glasgow, which I thought Graham Glasgow was going to sign with them. So did I. Okay. When they didn't get him, Everybody was on Twitter. Oh, we got to get rid of Douglas. He's terrible and all this stuff. Because this is what Jet fans do. Like you Met see, fans. Here's the problem I have with New York sports fans in general. You feel this ridiculous sense of entitlement to ripping the franchise because you're a long-suffering fan. Okay? Well, first of all, that's your choice. <laughs> it is your choice to be a Jet fan. It is your choice to be a Met fan. It is your choice to be a Met fan, a Net fan, Yankee fan, whatever the hell it is you want to root for. You can leave any time you want. You won't because you know the minute you leave, they'll be better. Yep. That's why I've, I've – listen, there have been so many times I wanted to trade in my Jets jerseys for <laughs> something else, but I chose not to because at the end of the day, I'm always going to bleed green and white. It's how I am, how I always will be. But it's like – and then, like I said, this is exactly why I hate Twitter because they're all over, mm-hmm. okay? And they're going off on every little thing the Jets do. But then the Jets start making some noise. So they signed George Fant on the first day. Okay, not a needle mover, pusher or anything like that. It's fine. It's okay. You know, he's a lineman, which is what you want. Maybe provide some depth. Yeah. Okay, which is what you need. Then the next day, all of a sudden, hey, Alex Lewis is back. I liked Alex Lewis. I actually thought that was a very good pickup. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hate him. I mean, was he the best? No. Was he good? He was all But he's he was fine. Right. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah. Okay. 
maybe he could even be better if you put a better line around him. Yeah. Then they go out and they bring in, which I kind of threw me for a loop, is when they signed McGovern. Yeah. That was, I was like, because he's a center. And that's the anchor of the line right there. Jonathan Harrison would have, I would have been fine with Jonathan Harrison this year. So was I, yeah. Okay. But whatever, I'm fine. And McGovern, if you read the stats on him, barely gave up any sacks, no penalties. Mm -hmm. He's a disciplined player. That's what you want. That's what he sees. Mm -hmm. McCagnan just threw money at everybody. And listen, I, I was a McCagnan supporter, so let's so get that out of the The thing was, McCagnan was great during free agency. He was just terrible during the draft. Yeah. When all was said and done. You got to give this time, guy time to build. Yeah. He comes from a very good background. He comes from the Ravens organization. He comes from the Eagles organization. He's worked under Ozzie Newsome, which means he's worked under Eric DaCosta. They're all good, reputable, well-known names. He knows how to build a team, and he knows it starts on the line. You've got to get the line built first. The rest will all fall into place. So far, I think Douglas has been exactly what I wanted. Yeah, do I want the splashy player? Sure, who doesn't? Yeah. But sometimes it's those little signings, the ones you don't know about, the ones who's, you know, you never heard of the guy, or maybe the guy is just, you know. And then you find out more about him, and then you're like, this is the guy. Yep. How do you think New England becomes a contender? They just know. They, they, they don't. How many times have you seen New England have eight penalties in a game? Yeah, exactly. Very rarely. Yeah. You know? But you got to give the guy time. The problem is Jet fans don't, they feel like they don't have the time. Yeah. Well, then, I'll tell you. See, my only problem with it, is I'm, not, I'm not bashing Douglas. I still want to see what he's doing. I'm like, you know, I have a lot of faith in him. Uh, my only thing is, for like for weeks though, you know, the Jets were linked to Conklin and and Glasnow, and I can't I can't blame Thune and Scherf because they got tagged. So well, I see, I think Tooney was the first choice. Yeah, but he got tagged, so and I he can't got I, tagged. I can't blame him. I think it threw them for a loop. Yeah, because I think he was their first option. I don't think Conklin was their first option. I think I think Joe Tooney was their first option. Yeah. when he got tagged, because a lot of people were shocked by that, because Belichick normally doesn't do that. He doesn't really he doesn't tag people very often. The fact is, is that there's a plan A, but now you have a plan B. And the Jets don't have, like, $53 million under the cap. Yeah, it's great, but it's, it's not an insane amount of money. Not to mention you've got to sign draft picks. Mm -hmm. you, have, you, know, you want them to re-sign Jamal Adams to give him his deal. You want them to bring back Robbie Anderson. You know, but see what the trend is? I don't want the same guys back on this team because yeah. that's the reason why we're 6-10 and 10 or 7-9. and nine. The guy needs a chance to build a team. It's his first offseason. He didn't have last year. Remember that. Yeah. I don't know if he would have signed Le'Veon Bell. I don't know if he would have signed C.J. Mosley. Probably not. More because of the price tag than the player. I don't think anything to do with the player. But there's more to be done. And I have more confidence in this guy than I did in any, probably the last few GMs. Tannenbaum was the same way when he was the GM under Rex. He just went all in. Santonio Holmes, Braylon Edwards. I love the moves. I did. But it was a short-term success because mm -hmm. it got Tannenbaum fired eventually. Then Tannenbaum got cocky, went after Tebow. And that totally threw Sanchez off his game. Oh, no. Totally messed with his psyche the minute you brought in Tim Tebow. It's too polarizing. I don't know whose decision it was. I don't really care at this point. But you saw the difference in the way the team was functioning. It didn't make any sense. And it totally messed with Sanchez's head. I'm convinced of that. 
Now, it's also Sanchez's fault because he really should be the franchise quarterback of this team. Yeah. But what's done is done. But so far right now, I think the Jets are in a good place. There's still guys that are going to sign under the radar, but I think they're going to build this thing through the draft. I think so, too. You, and you got to. I, look, I, I think this, this is the first time in a while I have a lot of faith going into the draft. But, one, but here's the one thing I will say. Do not sleep on the fact that no, do not sleep on the possibility that the Jets find a way to get Clowney. Do not sleep on it. They're, being, I, they're linked to him. They're he's not linked. getting the offers he wants. Douglas is going to wait. And he's going to be patient. He's going to wait to, you know, see what it, how it goes or whatever. Don't be surprised, man. And another guy would not be surprised. And I just saw him on the screen. That's why I just brought to my attention Emmanuel Sanders. I, I wouldn't hate Emmanuel he's Sanders. He's 33. I know he's older, but he's also got experience in Gase's offense. And he's a veteran who's coming off a Super Bowl appearance. Right. Those are the type of guys you want leading your receiving core, your young receiving core. Exactly. Especially you, you put him with a guy like Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder. And even with Braxton Berrios and uh, and Vincent, the guy, those two guys had they, Braxton they, Berrios. I liked. I, I liked him a lot. I liked him a lot at the University of Miami when he played for the Hurricanes. So I thought I. he was a very good receiver. And the thing is, he's more of a punt returner. He's not a guy that you're going to see get like ten catches a game and all that stuff. And the thing was, he wound up didn't he wind up leading the league in punt return or average or yards something or something like that. Like that yeah. If he didn't lead it, he came pretty pretty close. Those are the types of guys I like, and those are the types of guys that Douglas is going to look for. But we'll see how the rest of it goes. Jet fans, relax. It's not the end of the world if you don't get Jack Conklin. And if it is the end of the world for you, then I'm sorry, but you're pathetic. You can't get pissed off all the time when a, when a GM makes no. a decision. Look, it's look. very, I always kind of didn't mean to cut you off by that. It's, okay. it's very easy to spend someone else's money. That's the way I look at it. It's very easy for Jet fans to get it all in their head. And you saw all the wish lists on Twitter, if yeah. you were on Twitter. We got to get Fowler, Poole, Clowney, all these guys. Well, you're not going to be able to afford all those guys. I'm really glad they got Brian Poole back. So did I. And for cheap, too. Five million on a one year deal? That's kind of a surprising. That's what I texted my buddy that, and he was just, I was just like, I, I was expecting more. I was expecting him so to was give, I. I was expecting him to get, I was, we I was were, expecting a multi year deal at least. A multi year, like $10 million deal, something like that. But then on top of it, but this is my favorite part about Jeff fans. And Jeff fans, again, never let me down. You always got to, like, like, uh, Met fan, like Met fans. Okay. Brian Poole signs a one-year deal, which is a steal for this franchise. Right. Okay? And you got that one schmuck on Twitter going, should have been a two-year deal. Why does it matter? See what I mean? Why does it matter? If it was There's always that right? one fan who's never happy. It's always something. There was a guy two weeks ago, and I almost ripped this guy on Twitter, who said this, and I quote, the Mets could have had Heim Bloom. People are idiots. See what I mean? People are idiots. Look, it, yeah, it's so easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. And I know Joe Beningo's like that. I love Joe Beningo. But it's so easy. Oh, yeah, in hindsight, the Jets could have done this. And the Mets could have done this. And I play part to that, too. I, I, I play the part of Monday morning quarterback a lot. But it's so easy to see. But that's just dumb shit like that. You used yeah. obvious. Oh, the Mets could have had the Mets could have had Joe Girardi. I mean, like it's really easy to say that. Yes, they could have, but they didn't. So move on from it. Exactly. Because no one cares now. 
Joe Girardi's in Philadelphia. Just like right now, all I care about is Joe Douglas making this team competitive. Exactly. Because if you haven't picked up on the last 24 hours, the AFC East just got a very competitive. Mm-hmm. The Bills getting Stephon Diggs, which I thought was a fabulous, was a great move for them. Yeah, they gave up a first-round pick, but who cares? They're competing now. They're in a win-now mode. The Dolphins, too. And now the fact that the Patriots have definitely took a hit to the stomach with Tom Brady, we don't know who the quarterback of the Patriots is going to be next year. Yeah. My, I honestly think I could think of two options. Mm-hmm. It's either going to be Andy Dalton. Okay. Or, and I am so, I could totally see this happening, Matt Stafford. I am convinced that Matt Stafford, that Patricia, let's call it what it is. The Lions are going nowhere. The Lions have done nothing. They have made no moves to me that are legitimate, and you're wasting Matt Stafford. This team is not good the way they are built. They're almost, they might even be better off drafting a guy like Tua this year. Right. Because you're just wasting Matt Stafford. The Lions are not going to the playoffs next year. They're not that good of a team. You might be better off trying to package Stafford to get draft picks and maybe even a player. Why wouldn't you want to why wouldn't you do that? Right? Yeah. And if you're Belichick, you want to win now. Your time is almost running out. You're not going to want to develop Jared Stedham. Nothing nothing against Jared Stedham. You're not going to develop him now. That's going to take a few years. You don't have a few years. Unless you want to stay there for the rest of, you know, to however long. Yeah. But that, that was another thing, too. I mean, I personally think I can I could see this happening, too, because it's going to be the complete opposite of Brady. You go, They go after and get Cam Newton. You know, I thought about that. And I don't mean to play, like, a racial card. I really don't. Yeah. But a guy like Cam Newton in Foxborough. Yeah. And Massachusetts is, you know, listen, let's call it what it is. They're, it's Boston. It's a fairly, you know, they're, an, ang- they're an angry bunch. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and I'll leave it at that. I could see Cam pissing off the Patriots fan. I, I don't think it's too. Belichick's guy. I just can't see it. I could see Andy Dalton being that guy. I could see Stafford being that guy. Um, who else is available? Actually, if I was going to pick a quarterback that could go there, although not likely, my first choice was Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. Jameis is a possibility. Yeah. But I think when all is said and done, now that I think about it, the third option is Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr would be a good option. And then I was listening even today on the radio. They were saying they, the Patriots just might run with Jared Stidham, tank this year, and get Trevor Lawrence. Can't hurt. They it's might. not a bad decision. It's not. It really isn't. Especially, you know, because... Brady, I mean, now, not Brady. No, Belichick could have a bad year and be like, you know, because he's still Belichick. You now, can go out and go ahead and get Lawrence. Here's the one thing I'll tell you. If that's the case and you really want to do that, I got no beef with it. I find somebody to take Julian Edelman. You, yeah. owe, you owe him that. Yeah. He's been there for a while. He's not going to want to go through a rebuild. His body's wearing, breaking down. You owe him that much to pack it, to trade him somewhere, maybe to a contender. Maybe like the 49ers. I don't know. Maybe the Bucks. Yeah, maybe the Bucks with Brady. Again, we don't know. The AFC East became more competitive, though, oh. especially now with this whole with Tom Brady. Yeah. And whoever quarterbacks the Patriots, it's going to be some growing pains. It's a lot of adjustments. It's going to be, you know, 
their offense was a well-oiled machine because they basically ran the same personnel out there every game. Yeah. You don't have that anymore. Now you got a whole new quarterback. Whoever it is. Yeah. Okay. Timing with Edelman, where it was just like, a, you know, yeah, Tom and I had no problem. Like, I know exactly where I'm going, and I know when that ball is going to get to me. You bring in a guy like Andy Dalton, you don't know that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The Dolphins. You know, the Dolphins, to me, made a lot of moves, but I wasn't overly impressed with a lot of them. I think Byron Jones is probably the only one I was really impressed with. I was not impressed with Kyle Van Noy. The only reason I like the Kyle Van Noy move is just because he's reuniting with Brian Flores, who was the former def- uh, defensive coordinator for the Patriots. Yeah. That's the only reason I like the move, and it made sense for them to get. I was like, okay, let's see what he can actually do off the Patriots. But other than that, the Dolphins gave people a little bit of a scare towards the end of the season. They were like, oh, crap, the Dolphins are here to play. Devontae Parker showed out. But here's my only problem with that, though, is, and I do agree with you, you can't sneak up on people in your second year. Yeah. What do I have always said about coaches on this show? Okay, now, listen, for people that are new to the, you know, new to me doing the show on A1, and, you know, the one thing I've always said was, when you're a first-year head coach, you are always playing with house money. Mm -hmm. The reason is, is because the odds of you getting fired are slim to none. Right. Unless you're the Browns. (laughs) Because we never know what the hell they're thinking. That being, you know, but again, you're playing with house money. You can't get, unless you're completely inept Mm -hmm. to the point where you have no business coaching a football team and it shows on the field. Like Steve Wilkes was a perfect example when he was with the Cardinals. And this past year, I really thought if Adam Gase had lost the team, I think he would have been good as gone. But he didn't. And, you know, the maters of the world will sit there and say, well, it was because of Greg Williams. It was, to an extent. Yeah. But I don't think players are going to put their bodies on the line for a guy they don't believe in. Yeah, and even, you know, the the la- the guy that Le'Veon Bell is, he's come out and defended Gase a lot. Yeah. If, they if, all have. They if, all they like playing for him. I think they do like playing for him. I just think Gase gets a bad rap, but it's his own fault, though, too. Yeah. You know, he's arrogant. He's cocky. He doesn't know how to adjust to things. doesn't know how to adjust. New, New Yorkers don't want to deal with that, that garbage. They dealt with that with Todd Bowles. You know, that like that feeling like you'd rather be somewhere else than here yeah. kind of thing. Then that's exactly the type of thing that Gase, the vibe that Gase gives off after every game. Yeah. He doesn't want to talk to the media. He doesn't want to talk. That's why he keeps his head down. The hat's like all the way down to his, where you can't see his eyes. The thing for me, getting back to the Dolphins, is the Dolphins are a team that I don't know if they got better. See, that's what I'm, you know, first of all, you're going into another year with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we all know what happens when Ryan Fitzpatrick goes into the second year on any team. He sucks. Yeah. And that's about as blunt as I can be about it. He sucks. And if you don't believe me, go back to watching him in Buffalo, go back to watching him in Cincinnati, and go back to watching him with the Jets. He was terrible. He is not a two-year quarterback. He's a guy that gets you over the hump for one year. Yeah. And that's it. And I think he will struggle in 2020. Because, again, Ryan Fitzpatrick cannot sneak up on anybody. Now, if they draft Tua, fine. You rest sit Tua for the year, make sure his hip is 100% healed, and then get him back out there for 2021. Then you're set. The Bills are probably going to be the favorite anyway with Brady leaving. Yeah. Because they're the team that's most, for me, most playoff ready. Yeah, they are. Okay. 
I love the roster. I'm a big fan. McDermott's very underrated. He is. He's a very, very good coach. The GM, very underrated. They've made some quality moves, and they made the move to get Diggs. Stephon Diggs adds another element to that game, to that offense. With Cole Beasley and John Brown. Yeah. That's a very, very strong unit. And I was, I've always been a big Cole Beasley fan. I've always liked Cole Beasley. I wanted the Jets to get Cole Beasley. So did I. Oh. The guy catches everything. He's like he's so like, good. He's like that gnat that you can't get rid of. Yeah, exactly. He's like an Edelman. <laughs> That's what I love about Cole Beasley. But the Bills definitely got better. The Dolphins got better. I think the Jets is going to be a little bit of a – I don't think you can grade them on this year, at least not yet, because Douglas has to basically, since he's a new GM yeah. and he's taking over a team, he's got to build it his way. But the AFCs became very competitive all of a sudden. And I think a lot of the games are going to be fun, and it's going to be a very – it's going to be a dogfight. It is. It's going to be very interesting. And I think it would was going to be interesting last year. I mean, like I said, it's very, real easy to be a Monday morning quarterback and say the Jets should have won these games last year. But if you really look back at it, the Jets should have won three games that they lost. They should have beat the Bills week one. Mm-hmm. You can't, and you, and they you should have beat the Browns. If they had Darnold, they would have beat the Browns. Probably, yeah. So, but even the, even way, I'll, I, you can mark that up as a loss. And then you you got you can't lose to the Dolphins when they're zero and seven, and you can't lose to the Bengals when they're zero yes. and eleven. Those are three wins you get back. And if the Jets have those three wins, they're a playoff team. They, I agree, and I I do. And the thing is, the Bills game was frustrating. No, I'm sorry, the Bills game was frustrating because they had the lead. They were shutting them out for three and a half quarters, and they just collapsed after Mosley got hurt. Yeah. And then the Dolphin and Bengal games, to me, are inexcusable. You it's, can't lose those exactly. games. Exactly. Like, like I said, okay. it's real easy to be a Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, the Jets should have done this, the Jets should have done that. But they really should have not lost to the Bills. Yeah. Or the I mean, I the, mean, the, the Bengals, they didn't even show up. Exactly. They did not show up for that game at all. Exactly. So you know? it's And again, you, then you start to get the vibe about, you know, whether, you know, and again, now the Dolphin game was Darnold's, I think, first game back, and I knew he was going to be rusty in that game. So whatever. I'm not making excuses for him or whatever, but that's just what it is. Me, personally, I'm more excited about this team now. And like I said, I'm not a Gase supporter, but I also know when a guy's just getting railroaded for no reason. Yeah. And I feel like Gase is getting railroaded for no reason. Right. Now, the rest of the signings. One signing to me that made no sense whatsoever was the Browns paying Austin Hooper all that kind of money. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Austin Hooper has no business being the highest paid tight end in the NFL. And they, the, the the Giants, the Browns have a decent tight end in David Njoku. Yeah. He's decent. They didn't need to go out and go get him. But then it all guy. starts. Yeah. Here it comes. Oh, they have Odell Beckham. They have Jarvis Landry. The same thing last year. <clears throat> it was the same exact thing last year. So what's so different about this year? Because they added they still tight pay, end. They still play in a brutally tough division. Yeah. They play the Ravens twice, and the Ravens got leaps and bounds better by getting Calais Campbell and Michael Brockers yep. for that defense. The Steelers are always going to be the Steelers. As long as Tomlin is the coach, they're going to be fighting. I mean, the Bengals, I think this is just more of another, like, rebuilding year. Yeah. I mean, they made a couple of signings. They signed Trey Waynes. Okay, good signing. They signed the guy from the Texans, Reader, I think is his name, DJ Reader, Mm -hmm. the defensive lineman. Good signing. You know, I'm not saying it's not. I don't love the fact of franchising A.J. Green. I think they should have moved on from him at this point. Yeah. I think Tyler Boyd should really be the new number one on that team because they are a younger team now. I was kind of hoping the Jets would sign uh, A.J. Green, but that's besides the point. But, you know, again, I don't understand some of the moves the Browns make. I like the Conklin signing for them. I think it's a good signing. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I, will, I will never kill an offensive lineman signing, especially when you know you need one. Mm-hmm. So there's that. 
the Dolphins team to me are going to be like the sexy team for the playoffs this year. Yeah. A lot of people are going to jump on the Dolphin bandwagon this year, especially if they have a strong draft. I just don't see it. Not yet, at least. I think they did the right thing by just blowing it up last year. I think yeah. that was a that move was long overdue. As for the rest of the stuff, <clears throat> the one signing that I kind of killed, even though it's a very short-term signing, is Rivers. Yeah. I'm not a Rivers guy. I've seen enough. I don't think he's going to do anything for the Colts that he couldn't do with the Chargers. I really believe that, too. If you think about it, the talent in in Los Angeles and the talent in Indianapolis are basically one and the same. Yeah. What's so different? You have one one good wide receiver, Keenan Allen, T.Y. You have a good tight end, Ebron and – Well, they don't have Ebron anymore. Oh, yeah. But But the Chargers had Hunter Henry. Yeah. And then the running backs are more or less the same because Melvin Gordon is Even kind of Mike deep. Williams and the Chargers was a better receiver than what the Colts are putting out there as a number two. Exactly. You have a running game. You have Marlon Mack and the Colts. Marlon Mack was a very, had a very good season last year. But you have Melvin Gordon and the Chargers. And right. you had Aaron Eckler. Aaron Eckler is a very good pass-catching back. He was great. So I'm having a hard time understanding why the Colts feel that Phillip Rivers is worth $25 million for one year. Mm-hmm. Is this really... Do you really think that Phillip Rivers is going to lead you to the championship when he's never led any team to a championship game? They must They must think that. They must think that they have. Well, I, you know what I think it is? You know, I think just that their offense was based around Andrew Locke. Mm-hmm. And with him retiring, it, for, it forced their hand to, you know, like, oh, we have to put Jacoby Brissett in. Now, Jacoby Brissett isn't a bad quarterback, but does he probably fit their system? I don't think so. So I think they went out and got the the next best thing that could pop, potentially fit their system, and that uh, for them it's looking like it was Philip Rivers. Other signings: Dante Fowler goes to the Falcons. Fine, it's a good signing. Yeah. I have no problem with that. I would like to have seen him on the Jets, but um, I mean the deals don't really seem that high. But I think it's more the guaranteed money. That's what it's all. That it's might all be what it, that might be what it comes down to. Um, I like the move by the Giants to get James Bradbury for the secondary. Actually, that was kind of surprising because I actually thought he was going to go to the Redskins and go back with Rivera. Mm-hmm. With now the Rivera is the coach there, but I thought that was a pretty solid move by the Giants. I like Blake Martinez also for their linebacking group. He's not a great coverage linebacker, which is what they're kind of getting killed yeah. on, because you know you have when you're playing Zach Ertz and all you know and every everything. Um, I hate the Foles trade for the Bears. So do I. I think it's, to be honest, I don't understand why people think Nick Foles is going to win them a Super Bowl when I think he's just a, he's just an offensive quarterback. And it was the same crap. Well, you know, John DeFilippo is now in Chicago, and I don't care. I really don't. I've seen enough of Nick Foles to know that when he's on the Eagles, he's great, and when he's on other teams, he sucks. <laughs> I don't care who's it, it, coaching. It, yeah, it's real weird that he'll be amazing on the Eagles. He'll go to any other team, the Rams, he's terrible. Rams he's, Chiefs. Doesn't matter. He Jaguars, was never good. Stunk, stink, terrible. <clears throat> And do I really think he's going to be any better with the Chicago Bears? No. no. Especially playing the Vikings and the Packers twice a year. It was amazing. I mean, I give the Jags credit for finding somebody to take that contract. Yeah, good for them. And all they got out of it, they just took a, they took a BS pick, which is what I would have done too if I wanted to get rid of Nick Foles. And then we get to the Texans. And all I had to see was enough of, like, Jake Asman, who's always a, he's been a, you know, he's always been a great guest for us on our when we mm-hmm. did the show on uh, the competition. Um, 
the fact is, is you know, Jake Asman's great on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like he's really, he is. You know, he's really. He good. is a really good, and he, and you know what? One thing I will agree with with Michael K. He will be a star. Yeah, because I think will. Jake Asman is very. He's very, very good, and you know, Jake. I know you're probably not listening to our show or whatever, but I've always appreciated you being on our show and helping us out. You know, especially you know when you went to SB Nation in Houston. You know, we had a, you know we used to always have a lot of fun talking about the Texans or the Rockets or whatever. Yeah. And he's a big Jets guy too. He's a big Jets and Yankee fan. Man, he was killing O'Brien <laughs> on Twitter, and rightfully so. Yeah. Okay. You see, the thing is, I don't understand why Bill O'Brien still has a job in Houston, because I've seen enough of him to know that he's never going to get over the hump, especially with that team. Right. And now, on the worst part about it is, you took the biggest weapon that Deshaun Watson had. And you basically, now you left him with nothing. It made absolutely no sense why he would trade arguably the best wide receiver in all of football. And David Johnson's not a bad, it's not a bad running back, but he's not as good as he used to be. Yeah, he's not. He's been, he hasn't, since he's been injured, he hasn't been the same running back that he has been. So, so it's, yeah, it just didn't, really didn't make any se- any bit of sense. Mm-hmm. Especially, like you said, so basically they're going to commit to Will Fuller being the number one wide receiver. And he's always hurt. Exactly. And he misses too many games. And then on top of that, you go out and sign Randall Cobb. And Randall Cobb's not a bad player, but he's not what he used to be. He's not that difference maker. He's not. Exactly. Again, I don't we, we have no idea what But I think what more I think what more people were pissed about the, the DeAndre Hopkins trade was the Texans didn't get a first rounder for him. And they should have. Oh absolutely. The Texans don't have a pick in the top fifty for two years. So all they got was, I think they got a second rounder for Hopkins. That's, that's like, you know, one of the picks. Right. That's the only pick they have in the top 50 because they traded for Laramie Tunzel. They traded for Kenny Stills. Mm-hmm. They traded for, you know, they've, they've made so many trades. It's like the Rams. The Rams, don't, you know, when the Rams got rid of Jalen, when the Rams got Jalen Ramsey, they lost all their first round picks. They right. have no first round picks. I don't understand why Bill O'Brien is still in charge of making decisions for this team. Again, the deal that uh, – what's his name, the receiver? Crap. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins. Not DeAndre Hopkins. Who else just got a big deal recently? Oh, Diggs. Oh, yeah. They got a first-round pick for Diggs. Yeah. And Diggs is not nearly as good as Hopkins. Yeah. Okay. And just like that, it's like now the Texans are like, Jesus, I mean, what are we going to do? Your receiving core is not intimidating. David Johnson is injury prone. And while you do have a good line and Deshaun Watson's a great Deshaun Watson, I wouldn't say he got exposed in the playoffs, but he is what he is. If you can f- if you flush him, if you keep him contained, he's going nowhere. Mm-hmm. He's got to get rid of the ball. Yeah. The trade just made no sense. I mean, I don't know if it was a case of you wanted you didn't want to give him a contract, fine, but I mean, you gotta ask for more than that. Right. You think the Cardinals really cared about giving up a second-round pick for him? No. I mean, just, uh, again, I don't understand executives the way they think. Another brain-dead signing to me was, again, another sign that made no sense. The Lions, for some reason, decided to give Chase Daniel, like, $14 million for three years. My brother sent me this crazy stat from Chase Daniel that he's made over $35 million and he's barely thrown any passes. Yeah. Because he's always just been that backup. But he's not even a very good backup. He's not. No, he's a dink and dunk quarterback. 
Why would the Lions see? This is what I don't understand. Some of these GMs just have no freaking structure to how they want to do things. They have no structure. Right. Zero. Zero structure in how they build a team. It's like, you know, you, you just see what sticks. Are you telling me that the Detroit Lions, their first chance at free agency, and the first thing they do is they sign a backup quarterback for three years? Doesn't make any sense. Unless the plan is to trade Stafford. Then maybe I could see that being a possibility. Yeah. Using the third pick on either Tua or Herbert. Justin Herbert. Okay, then it makes sense. You know, the rest of the signings overall have been pretty, you know, pretty much straightforward. There's still a lot of talent out there still. There is, like, big names still out there is Jadavian Clowney. Where yeah. will he go? We, don't, we have no idea yet. Now, the latest I read on him was is that he's not happy with the offers he's been getting. They're not. He wants over $20 million a year. He's not going to get that. I highly doubt he's going to get that, unless some team comes out of nowhere desperately hoping for Desperately yeah. wanting a pass rusher. Robbie Anderson is still out there. You know, he's probably the best wide receiver on the market next to with the fact that Amari Cooper got the $100 million deal. And for the record, Dak Prescott is not a $40 million a year quarterback. He's not, no. However, quarterbacks are getting paid insane money. That That's why he's asking for that. Right. He's never won a friggin' thing. He's never been to the championship game with the Cowboys. I'm not even sure if he's gotten past the first round, yeah, unless yeah. it was on a bye. But free agency is always fun. Love it. And to be honest, and I know like a lot of people wanted it suspended or postponed because of the coronavirus, I'm going to be very upfront and say, and be selfish and say, this is a necessary distraction. It is. It really is, because right now, if we didn't have, if the sports world didn't have this going on right now, and we'd be miserable. There'd be nothing to talk about. Yeah. There would literally be nothing to talk about. I mean, you can only, on. listen, you can only binge watch so many shows on Netflix and or Hulu or whatever the hell streaming service you use. There's only so much you can watch. Eventually, it just gets stale. Exactly. And all you want to do is just vent about sports because that's what makes sports fun. Yeah, it's like I was even saying on my show, like, you know, we're getting... We're getting no sports anywhere, and we're getting the bare minimum of wrestling, too, yeah. at this point. Like, I mean, and now, funny you mentioned that. There's the segue <laughs> to finish up the show for for our my first show on the A1 Sports Network. And again, I really do appreciate you having me on here again. Of course. It's always good to get the band back together. It always is. Okay. Like I said, we always had a lot of laughs when we did when we did Moffat on the Mic. Whoever called in, whoever came on the show, whoever whoever hung out with us. You know, it was always a lot of fun. It was always a good time. And I'm hoping to continue that on this network. Definitely. And like I said, any help you need building this up, you let me know. And I'll definitely Thank you. I'll definitely hook you up. Getting into wrestling. So this is how we're going to close the show for today, our, my first show on the on A1. Um, it was very awkward watching Raw with no audience. It's it weird. was even more awkward watching SmackDown with no audience. I give the WWE all the credit in the world, man. I really do. Because that is under unfortunate circumstances. You know, it threw you for a loop. Yeah. You didn't know what to do. You can't have them in arenas because you don't know who's infected. That's mm -hmm. the disturbing part about the coronavirus. Anyone could have it and you yeah. just don't know. Because symptoms don't show up right away. 
So the WWE basically made chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah. And I thought for the most part, while it was awkward and it was weird and, you know, it was just very, very strange in general, um, I thought they did a pretty good job with what they had. Yeah. Like, I liked, I watched, when I was watching SmackDown, I loved that Triple H was the commentator with Michael Cole. I thought that was hilarious. Right. So, it, so like you said, they're making chicken scratch out of chicken shit. Speaking so. of which, I just got an email saying that WWE, I was supposed to go take my daughter on Sunday. Yep. It's been officially postponed. So, there you have it. The coronavirus takes another victim. It's an event. Now, that being said, okay, and un- and under the circumstances I get, even tonight's NXT is not even going to be matches. It's just going to be a lot of interviews and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. While it is unique to do it at the Performance Center, while I think it's unique to do it, you know, with this kind of thing because, you know, you don't want to see people get infected, you can't possibly have WrestleMania there. You can't. You it, can't. It, it's I'm sorry. Like, so you just can't. Weird, yeah. And I understand it. You know, I understand you're trying to put a show on and the wrestlers really, really want to do it for you and everything. And I totally respect that. But you can't have it in the Performance Center. You can't. You really can't. You it's can't have a five-hour show. and It's going to be really, really strange. I mean, if that's the case, fill it with the janitors and all the people that work. In the, fill it with the wrestlers. Yeah. The people that are there training every day. Just tell them to come in, be the audience. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But, I, I mean, like, I, I just... And the thing is, someone hit the nail on the head on Twitter. And I can't believe I keep referencing Twitter because I, it's, I only started using it when I was watching Jets highlights and Mets highlights. <laughs> um, but someone said, and they, and they hit it right on the head, Drew McIntyre's big moment when he wins the title from Lesnar, he's going to be without an audience. Exactly, yeah. So it's almost like you might as well let Lesnar win the title, keep the title, and let McIntyre fight for it at SummerSlam. Well, I, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, this might, because of this virus, this and can, the fact that they're still going on with WrestleMania just in, just with no fans, it might change some of the storylines that they have going on, like you mentioned with... with uh, like, can you imagine The Undertaker doing his whole entrance... In the performance center. Well, no, you even saw it on Monday night. That was the people kept saying it was that, awkward. Was probably, that was probably the quickest uh, entrance the Undertaker's ever had in his life. It's it was so freaking awkward. And the thing is, like, so you and I were talking about before we started recording that there's a weird theory going around that the WWE decided to put it at the performance center in Orlando because that's where they're. It's not in Tampa anymore. Yeah. So because of some kind of insurance thing. Yeah. I think it had to do with satisfying an insurance clause because what basically Vince McMahon is saying is, well, the mayor of Orlando is not going to let it happen here. So that's that. Mm -hmm. And the goal was going to eventually be when it comes time where things kind of calm down and events start coming, trickling back in. They're going to have it at Madison Square Garden in June. Yeah. Which would be great. But man, that would be just like a total f u to the state of Florida. <laughs> oh yeah, it would okay. be. It would be so. Because again, people plan this out so much. People want WrestleMania. WrestleMania brings a lot of money to where you're at. Yeah. So, while I agree with it and I understand it, it would really be a total f u to Florida. Yeah. Because all those people now have to cancel their flights. They have to refund their tickets. Carragher was going to go. Carragher and Rodney were going to go. I know the What's Wrong Wrestling guys were going, too. Yeah. So Carragher told me he was going to Tampa for with Rodney because he asked me if I was going to Raw at Barclays, and I, I couldn't because it was on a Monday night. It was going to be too difficult for my daughter to go. But 
I just think it's going to be so strange yeah. watching it with no audience and it's little, no disrespect to the performance center. It's a rinky-dink performance center compared to what they normally yeah. perform it. I think the best thing you can do is postpone it. That's what I say. I'm like, I'm, I'm for... Cancel all the bullshit pay-per-views you do between now and SummerSlam. Why do you need to have Elimination Chamber or, you know, Money in the Bank? You can just have that match on a pay-per-view. You don't need to have it. See, I was always for, like, I don't, I love Money in the Bank. Love the Money in the Bank match. Or Backlash or whatever. Yeah, you, you don't, don't you need don't need those. those. Like, Money in the Bank, I say you have to say, but you can always bring it back and put it where, where it was originally, where it originally started, at WrestleMania. You, mm-hmm. can put, you, can put, you can put Money in the Bank back at WrestleMania. You can even make it a better show, because honestly, before this coronavirus started, WrestleMania 36 was not looking too exciting. No. I didn't really like the matches outside. I mean, the thing that I had a problem with was, and I think what always kills the momentum for WrestleMania is when they do the Saudi Arabia show. Yep. Because Super Showdown was a disaster. I didn't even have to watch all of it to know that it was a terrible move. And the thing is, like, you really see how some wrestlers get favoritism over others. Mm -hmm. And that's what bothers me. Same thing with Elimination Chamber. I'm not a Shayna Baszler fan. I kind of consider her to be like a one-trick pony. She's an MMA fighter. That's that's her gimmick. That's her thing. She's a well... Listen, she could kick my ass any all up and down the performance center. <laughs> I'm not disputing that. But for a wrestling personality, I don't think she's very good. Mm-hmm. And they turned that women's elimination chamber match, which could have been really good. Yeah. You could have had Liv Morgan kind of shine and Ruby Riot shining and everything. And he turned it into just her tapping out everybody. But see, I don't have the problem with Shayna looking so dominant. I have the problem with that we had literally had to wait five minutes for Liv Morgan to come out just to get her ass kicked. Yeah. And then wait another five minutes to, for Asuka to come out. And then the worst part about it, though, was that Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan never fought. Yeah. Because they already tapped out. Yeah. And you know what? You, you That could have been fine. You could have had Shayna blow through the whole crowd. And then you could have had a solid 15-minute match between Shayna and Asuka inside the Elimination Chamber, which would have been amazing. And I love Asuka, by the way. I think she's great. Oh, I she's think she's so such funny. a great heel. She's so good. She's, I love it. She's such a great heel. And I also like Kyrie Sane as a heel, too. Actually, Kyrie Sane is a very good heel. She is, but she's getting like kind of like a bit of a backseat right or as, now. Or as Eric used to call her, the girl with the wheel. The girl with the wheel. <laughs> that was when we had the Pisanos on. <laughs> that was so funny. Is that the girl with the wheel? <laughs> now, here, I have a question for you. Go. Where do you see this Charlotte-Rhea Ripley storyline? What do you see happening with that? I think it ends after Mania. Um, I don't see Charlotte winning. I think she's going to take the pin for Rhea. You think so? What I was kind of surprised is they didn't turn it into a triple threat with Bianca Belair. Because mm-hmm. I like Bianca Belair. So she's going I. to be a star in the in, in WWE. She's I, a very yeah, good heel. She is. Um, the thing what is, I would have thought was originally was... Charlotte Flair to me is kind of like old news. I don't find her to. They don't do anything interesting with her. They don't. Not anymore. No, and especially because she's won the title ten times yeah. now. So it's like, what's the big deal if she wins it again? Who cares? But see, that's that's the thing I I, I said too. I'm like, you know, like, but like, are they really going to send Charlotte down to NXT if she wins? But then on the other hand, it's like, oh, you're going to have Rhea beat Charlotte. That means she can just really beat anyone in the whole company at that yeah. point. Like I think which it's is, okay, and I, I, don't, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with it, but I like the match. But I think this is just going to be one to get Rhea over. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be Charlotte's not going to win the NXT title. Although it wouldn't be a bad thing because I think making NXT like a third federation instead of more of a minor league federation, yeah. I think is a smart move because I think it gives guys like Finn Balor a chance to shine. 
Yeah. And NXT is great. Yeah. And it's absolutely, you know, I love the, the talent in NXT. It's great. And I love the Finn Balor heel. I think oh, it's, it's so amazing. good. I don't like Johnny Gargano. Really? The reason why I don't like Johnny Gargano is he is a poor man's Tommy Dreamer. I think, think he's a good wrestler, but he has that he plays that loser role too much, and I can't stand it. He does play it a lot. I hate it. He does play it a lot. But overall, like, I just think that having Mania in the Performance Center, I won't say it's a disaster because I won't go that far. And I know the WWE is just really trying to get it, get the event to take place. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think when it's your biggest event of the year, the smart move would be to postpone it. Maybe even move up some of the other pay-per-views. Right. See, if your goal is to put it in the Performance Center, then why not just put, like, I don't know, give me a crappy pay-per-view they still do. Uh, I don't even know. Honestly. TLC. TLC, yeah. Do TLC in the Hell Performance in Center. Hell in, well, yeah, Hell in a Cell's too good. Um, even Elimination Chamber doesn't work. But, like, just do something in there. Yeah. Clash of the Champions. You could do that in the Performance Center. No one gives a crap about that one. But I'm saying, like, to do your biggest event of the year in, like, this really small performance center with no audience whatsoever, it, it, it's going to lose the luster. I think I know you just want to put the event on at this point yeah. just so fans have something to watch. I think that's co- very commendable. But I think it sends a bad message. I think it does, too. Like, you really, especially, like it's said, this is the sports entertainment business. And the, the wrestlers, they thrive off the fans. That's how you know if someone's good or not. And the fans make it entertaining half the time. So the fact that there will be no fans at WrestleMania, it's going to be weird. One thing before I go. I remember you. Remember I told you I went to see Creator Pro? Yes. Dude, you should go. I want, I've been wanting to I'm going to take my daughter the next time they come to Limbrook. Because I'll, she was like, she gets super, like, I will end it with this. If you have children... The best thing you can do is brainwash them into something you like. <laughs> and I tell you that because, number one, it saves you a lot of drama. It really does. You don't have to go to, like, bullshit, like, you know, the circus. You know? Yeah. The problem is, I think the brainwashing worked too well. <laughs> because my daughter loves WWE. Loves WWE. Right now. Now, here's a positive. Instead of listening to pop songs in the car all day, because yeah. it's not really my type of music, although I like a few of them, don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna, I have no problem admitting that. <laughs> Riley, who's my seven-year-old, she loves wrestling theme songs. She knows, she knows now she can do the AJ Styles pose when AJ Styles comes out. Oh, really? Right? She even put the hood up on her hooded sweatshirt and did it the other <laughs> day. She, she loves Friday Night Smackdown. Her favorite wrestler is Kofi Kingston. Not right. Yeah, and she does the Roman Reigns fist into the ground when like <laughs> that the, at the end of the intro. Um, she loves Ricochet, you know, and all that stuff. So her play, like I have a playlist on my phone of all the songs that we listen to that are hers. Right. And the last twenty are nothing but wrestling theme songs. Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, the Undisputed Era, which is basically the NWO theme in like reverse. Yeah. Right, Alistair Black, Ricochet, right, AJ Styles. Like she loves all of them. And now my three-year-old is getting into it too. Well, I play Seth Rollins' theme in the car like a lot, and it's the one where it's like "Burn It Down." Yeah. And she does. She knows when to say "Burn It Down" on cue. And I see her doing it in the back of the car. You know, it's, yeah. it's freaking hilarious. So, a word to the wise for people who are. <laughs> 
may have children soon or whatever, your life will be so much easier when you just brainwash them into stuff that you want to go to. So getting back to Creator Pro. For those of you who don't know who Creator, what Creator Pro Wrestling is, it is a it is a wrestling academy that's owned by Kurt Hawkins, who's in the WWE. Mm. And basically he trains wrestlers, and then he puts on shows. He puts on two shows, uh, like one show every other month. Yeah. He does one from his academy in Hicksville, and then he does one in Limbrook, which is literally five minutes away from my house. So it couldn't be any better. The tickets are dirt cheap. And one thing I love about the town is they are so humble. They are so appreciative that you came and saw them. Right. Right. And their matches are very good. But what they also do is they add veterans to it. Yeah. One time I went, uh, Ty Dillinger was there, and he f- had a match. Um, the other time, the one I recently went to was Ethan Page from Impact Wrestling. Okay. He wrestled, right? And he was awesome. He was such a good heel. Like, you know, he's picking on this 10-year-old girl in the crowd because the girl was rooting for the other guy, the champion. And, like, he just goes, you know, he's like, you shut up, little girl. <laughs> like that. And, like, the fans are like, and the fans ate it up, and they were just grilling him to yeah. know it tomorrow. So I got to talking to one of the wrestlers during the intermission, this guy, Bear Bronson. Big oh, guy. Oh, big guy. Yeah, I know he's what you're Oh, good about. wrestler. Yeah. Like, they have, like, a really good tag team. They have a tag team called Bear Country. And the other guy's bigger than him, right? But I got to talking to him. And super, super nice guy. You know, he was just like, you know. And it was funny because he comes out. He's shaking the guardrail. He's like, you know, he's a heel. Yeah. And then you see him, and he's like, oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> like, you, <laughs> it's almost like you're, like, having coffee with the guy. Yeah. Right? And I just went up to him, and I just said, listen, I'm like, you know, you know, I really admire what you guys do. You guys put your, you know, the fact that you put your bodies out there. And, I mean, listen, I don't know what they make, if they even make money off the yeah. pro shows. If they make a salary. I'm sure they make something, though. And I just said, I'm like, you know, you guys kicked ass and had a great match. And this guy was like, he was so nice. And he was just like, you know, thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. And I was like, you know, I was like, I really want to take my daughter to your shows and mm-hmm. to the creative pro shows. Just like, I just don't know if, like, you know, the crowd. And he kind of just stopped me right there. And he goes, bring her. He goes, our shows are 100% family friendly. He goes, mm-hmm. you don't really, you're not going to get, you know, you might, listen, you, he's like, you're kind of going to get one or two dicks in the crowd. I mean, yeah. you can't avoid that. You know, but he was like, bring her, you know, I guarantee you she'll have a lot of fun and everything. And my daughter gets mad because I go by myself because it's kind of like my, my. Get away from the kids. My <laughs> parole. It's like my parole. <laughs> I consider my parole away from the children. All right. Then I'll listen to them. They don't know. And I like, but my daughter gets super pissed at me now when I go without her. She gets really mad. And she's like, why can't I go? Because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, you just can't. You know, I was like, so then I went to the show recently, a few months ago. And I just said, you know what? I go, I'm going to take her. I go, mm-hmm. next, show, next show that comes around to Limbrook, I'm going to take her. I'm going to put her ringside. Dude, one guy almost landed on me in the front <laughs> row. Because he tried to do a move. And the guardrail is really, it's not too far away from the ring. Right. But there was two other guys there, so the odds of this guy falling on me were, like, slim to none. Right. Right? And the guy did, like, a move over the top rope, and, you know, he was, like, and he landed. Like, all he saw was his feet, like, right in my face. Right? So then after, there was another match I saw this guy, Kobe Durst. He's, a, he's big in Canada. He's, like, he's like an indie wrestler, but more in Canada. Okay. And he came in to do, like, a one-off show. And here's what's kind of funny, right? So he, he fought this guy. The match was really good. And they lose. And he rolls out of the ring, and he pretends to be, you know, like hurt, you know, but he's really not. And I'm sitting in the front row, and I said to him, I said, Kobe, man, I just want to say you killed it. That was a really good match. And he's hurt, and he looks at me, and he goes, thanks. I really appreciate that. Like, <laughs> I was like, 
dude, you got to sell it. <laughs> You're not supposed to answer me. Yeah, don't answer But me. I do appreciate you answering, <laughs> you know. But it was just, like, really funny because he's, like, answering me. Like, you know, he's, like, you know, he's, like, you know, he's, like, sprawled out. Yeah. Matt, and he's looking up and he goes, hey, thanks, man. I appreciate <laughs> it. It was really funny. No, yeah. So. I, I wanted to go, especially now that you've seen, especially with AEW, you see MJF and Chris Statlander both came from Creator Pro. And, by the way, MJ, MJF's a total douche. Oh, he's, he's a total douche off the, right? When I was, the last show I went to, I was walking through the, um, the t-shirt stand is like, basically, if there was ever a fire in this place, you'd be dead. It's so small mm-hmm. because the wrestlers need tables because they sell stuff. Yeah. They sell t-shirts, they sell pictures, they sell all that stuff. Because that's all part of it, too. They teach them how to promote themselves. Yeah. That's the whole point of being an indie wrestler, um, besides the wrestling part. So, I literally was like, and the big celeb, the big uh, guy at this event was Orange Cassidy. And the line for Orange Cassidy was insane to take pictures. So I wasn't oh. going to wait because I didn't want to wait. But it was uh, Orange Cassidy was hilarious. Like, he was everything I want. And I was so happy I got to see him. Right? So <laughs> so going through the T-shirts and everything, and, you know, you walk into this really, really tight space. Mm-hmm. It's really tight. And, you know, at one point, you know, you're just walking through, and, like, you really see these guys just really kind of, you know, really trying to sell themselves. But there's one guy who was, like, a heel, and he's a douche and everything and he won't talk to you unless you buy something from him and he mm-hmm. literally stays in character from beginning of show to end of show yeah okay so it was really crowded and somebody stepped on my foot and it freaking hurt <laughs> i'm not gonna lie and i didn't say anything i was just like you know whatever it's tight or whatever the guy turns around it's mjf Jeez. and i was like yeah i'm not gonna say anything to you because i know you're just gonna be a total douche and like <laughs> just like you're a total douche and like when you're not wrestling and everything like, swear to God, stepped on my foot, and I go, I'm never washing these sneakers again. I go, <laughs> I go, MJF stepped on my foot, and that just pretty much sugared the cherry on top to my... Yeah, whether, you know, it's an act or not, he plays such a good heel. But sometimes he takes it to an extreme. He does. And he needs to, like, kind of curb it. He I understand does. you need to be in character the whole time, because there's been a lot of stories going around about him being a dick at fan events. Yeah. You know, and, like, I think he's hilarious. Don't get me wrong. I think he's really funny. But there was like an incident that became kind of a big shit show for AEW because he was at a fan event and he's seen on video giving the finger to a seven-year-old kid. Yeah, I've seen that video. And Cody Rhodes had to come out and basically say he doesn't speak for all of us kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, you it's okay to be the heel all the time. You don't have to, you know, but you can't be a douche to a kid. Exactly. You know, yeah. like you just got to you gotta make them understand that it's, yeah, it's, it's all you, an act. You, 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 yeah, you want to give the finger to me and you, that's fine. The problem not, is not I think kid. he believes it and that's where it, now, these creative pro guys, they've been on Raw. Yeah. You just don't know it. Yeah. They've been on SmackDown, and you don't know it. When I was at the Raw in July, not the one I ran into you at. That was funny. Right? And we wound up being one section over from each other. I know. What, are the cha- what were the chances right? for that happening? Yeah. I'm like, my daughter's like sitting there like, Daddy, we got, you know, it's going to start. And I'm like, shut up. I'm talking to Clem. I've talked to this guy <laughs> a long time. <laughs> you know? Like, I, didn't, I didn't tell her. That was, that, you know. But she was like, she does get a little, like, antsy from, yeah. like, Raw and stuff. So... One time I was sitting in a section, the very first Raw I took Riley to, mm-hmm. we were sitting in literally, I swear to God, the creative pro section. Because the guy sitting next to me was the ring announcer, and I recognized him like it was yesterday. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, oh, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, you're the ring announcer, right? And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, and he was really nice. And then the rest of the people, the row sitting behind me were all creative pro wrestlers. Yeah. Two of the guys, VSK, who's their champion, and this other guy, Jack Tomlinson, 
they were fighting the Viking Raiders. Right. They were just a couple of local talent that were just good. Their job was to get their ass kicked by the Viking. Raiders. I remember that. Yeah, you know, I remember that because that kid Jack Tomlinson. I went to school. I went to. I went to college with him. Oh yeah. I was. I, I didn't know him. Per like I, I like I talked to him a few times and like the thing, times we talked. About, I was like, oh, you're Jack. You do creative pro wrestling. He was like, yeah, man. I would. I would always talk to him about wrestling or everything like that. And that, like that's how I really knew him. Other than but that, that was like, the event that VSK like broke his collarbone. Mm. Because he took a really weird bump from the Viking Raiders. And there right. was a picture of him in the back of the Raw locker room with the guy from the Viking Raiders. And he has this huge cast on his arm. <laughs> and he was out of action for a while. And then I saw him again at the one we went to. Mm -hmm. Because that was the one. Remember when Brock Lesnar uh, F5DO Madden through the table? Right, yeah. And then Rey Mysterio came out. And remember he was in the back and he pulls the guy out of the limo. Right. And he goes, I'm not Ray. That's VSK. That's the guy oh, from Creative Pro. Oh, okay. So, like, he, you know, Hawkins gets these guys, like, jobs with Creative Pro, and I'm sure WWE just uses them for talent. Right. You just don't know it. The guy who was Lana's first husband, remember that whole thing when the Liv Morgan, when the Liv Morgan oh, made her yeah, yeah, return? Yeah. That guy is the TV champion for Creative Pro. Oh, that's that's Eric, his name is Eric James, a very good wrestler. There, yeah, there and are sometimes, because like, you, you know now you recognize them. It's like, oh, it's, oh, these are all indie guys, like, from, like, their, whatever local city they're in. So if like it's in New York, it's either going to be uh, New York wrestling, New York City wrestling, or it's going to be creative yeah. pro guys. So if you if you go to and the funny thing is when Eric James goes out, he refers to himself as Lana's first husband. So it's actually like really funny, you know. But this is the type of thing that we're talking about, and I'm just going to end this on this note with the, the whole coronavirus thing. It's very easy to give your money to Target, and it's very easy to give your money to Walmart and all those things. But I do agree the mom-and-pop stores are definitely going to take a beating. Oh, yeah. I have a friend who owns a gym in Mineola. He's been shut down because of de Blasio's edict, which is fine. Yeah. You know, whatever. He's, you know, he's got to deal with it. But, you know, those are the types of people you want to go to bat for. Yeah. You know, these are the types of guys that will put their life on the line to wrestle for you for a measly $20 tickets. Yeah. You know, and those are the guys you always want to support. Those are the guys that are the most humble. Those are the guys that are the most appreciative because they're – they're trying any avenue they can get to get ahead. They're going to take it. Exactly. Any appearance and all that stuff. These guys are they're awesome. And I don't mean to sound like, uh, you know, an advertisement for creative pro wrestling <laughs> because it's not really what the whole point is. But they're a lot of fun to watch. If you're in the Long Island area and you happen to see one of their shows up, definitely go check them out. Right. There was even a crazy thing that they do birthday parties. Yeah, you know I, was, that? I was reading something about that. Yeah. I said to my daughter, I'm like, you know, if you were a boy. I said, I would have totally had your party here because, you know, she's like, but all my friends are girls. I'm like, yes, I know that <laughs> you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't have been taken too kindly to that. You know, some guy walking around in tights, <laughs> you know, kind of they would have been. She would have loved it, but she would have loved it. But they would have hated it. Yeah. You know, because they're all into like princess stuff. And everything. Yeah. so is she to an extent. But like I said, the, the point is, at the end of the day, you're going to have children. You got to brainwash them into something that you like because <laughs> it makes it so much better. Yeah. When you enjoy it together. <laughs> okay. That's going to do it for me for the Moffat on the Mic podcast. And again, uh, thanks to Clem for uh, giving me the opportunity to be on the A1 Sports Radio Network. This will be one of many shows that I'll be doing on this network because I believe in it and I think it's going to be very strong. Um, the only thing I can tell you is, man, just be patient mm -hmm. and, you know, just build it slowly, methodically, you know, and I think you'll get there. And like I said, any way I can help you out, you know, whatever you need, 
you know, let me know. I always, you know, again, I always love kind of doing this stuff, and it's good to be back. It feels good to kind of do this again after yeah, a long no, hiatus. I feel, like, I, like I mentioned, like I do my own show, the A1 Sports Podcast, and I do my wrestling, do, do the wrestling show with my friends. But it's something about doing this show where it really just feels, it feels right. You like built it. it. Yeah. we it, built it, that's why. Like, you, you came in late, you know, after Matt left. And we just built it into something good. Yeah. You played a very, like I said in the beginning of the show, you played a very candid role in that. Because without you, we wouldn't have had the Pisanos. We wouldn't have had a lot of the guests yeah. that we had on our show. Decomo, Slater. Yeah. I would have been stuck doing shows with Speedy. <laughs> you know, and no disrespect to Speedy, you're a good kid. But, yeah. I mean, it's just, no. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But the thing is, is that, it's just about building a show. Right. And for you, it's about building this network up into something big. And, you know, we talk about how people failed in their opportunities. And, you know, you're just starting out. Yeah. You know, keep getting people to come here however they want to do their show. Trust me, you've got some good ideas for shows. You have yeah. a hockey show, I noticed. You have a, you have a, you know, the the Gamblers uh, Paradise show. Is that yeah, what's called? Yeah, well, right now, you know, with the coronavirus, the the shows like the hot, like the specific shows like hockey and the Gamblers Paradise show, yeah. they're kind of taking a hit because it's like, oh, what do we bet on? Like, yeah. or it's like, tough. there's no hockey to talk about. Like, yeah. so it's like I don't blame them because they haven't done a show in like a week or so right now, and I don't blame them for not having a show. So like I can't I can't really be like oh come in and do I can't be like hey guys come in and do a gambling show, what, what are we gonna gamble on the weather like so the one thing I will tell you is you know keep listening to the A one Sports Radio Network check out their shows even if past shows whatever it is where else can they find this show Just they so can I'm find the shows on basically really anywhere where they, where you can find a podcast you can find any of the A one Sports Network uh, shows Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts Breaker Stitch. Stitch Radio, anywhere we there, there's a podcast, you can find you can find new shows. All right. Well, listen, thank you for everybody. Please check us out. Check out A1 Sports Radio Network. Check out all the other shows. Check out my show. You can follow me on Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic. Um, I also have a Facebook page for the show. You can definitely check that out as well. Um, everybody, please check out the show. There's going to be plenty more. we got a lot of good, solid stuff coming up because we do things a little differently. It's not just a straight-up – today it was just a straight-up sports talk show – but one thing Clem and I always like to do is we always like to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And if you can't have fun joking around with sports and everything, you got nothing. Okay? You could, everybody has an opinion about sports. It doesn't mean anything. You know, like it's your opinion. Whether you agree or disagree or not is another story. Right. But on top of that, we're going to have a lot of fun doing the show, Clem and I. You know, we have a lot of good ideas moving forward. And eventually we're going to get to the point where we're going to have guests on our show. We're going to have people just sitting in with us and hanging yep. out with us. We're going to try to eventually get callers, you know, maybe somewhere down the road or just guests phoning in. So on that note, on behalf of Clem, I am Craig Moffitt. Thank you for checking out Moffitt on the Mic. And, again, all those platforms that Twitter, that Clem just gave you, whether it was Spotify, Google Podcasts, I, I, Stitch, I, I lost them all. So you, <laughs> might as well, you have to just kind of. You guys will all find them out sooner or later. Everybody, please do yourself a favor. Stay safe out there with the coronavirus. I know I'm sure you've been heard this a hundred times over, but just stay safe out there. Take care of yourselves. You know, if you have to stay home, stay home. If you don't have to, if you absolutely have to go to work, then you got to go to work. But, you know, like it's been said, and I'm sure it's been exhausted a hundred times over, we'll get through with this. This is nothing that we can't accomplish. You know, this country has always been very resilient in these times of, of you know, it's just going to take us a little bit longer to get there. But everybody just stay safe, be safe, and uh, 
check us out. And again, we'll be back with future shows right here on the A1 Sports Radio Network. On behalf of Clem, I am Craig Moffitt. Everybody, take care. Stay safe.